Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, and welcome to episode 264 of Dude the Monkey. I am one of your co-hosts, Matt Foster, and as ever, I am joined by... Very excited. No. Very excited. Yeah, it's Becky. There's Becky. Sorry. <laughs> So I am joined uh, by a uh, very excited uh, Mr. Ian Loring and a, 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 very, a very tired Becky. I, I might not be on top form tonight, I don't feel very well. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, what I'll say is, is we're going to review a film where I think, Ian, if you'd have said to us at the start of the year um, that we'd be reviewing Mamiya 2, Here We Go Again. We'd have kind of gone. I doubt it. If I you said, if you said to me last week that yeah. we'd be reviewing Mamma Mia, here we go again. I'd be saying I doubt it. Yeah, uh, but we are. Uh, yeah, we essentially we put out a thing on uh, Twitter during last week's show um, asking people to RT. They didn't RT. Uh, we didn't get the, the requested twenty, but then we you thought bastards. we thought. Do you know what? Should we do it anyway? Because <laughs> uh, the, the thing is. It was because, Ian, I think you decided that you kind of wanted to see, didn't you? And so did you, Becky. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, and I'm very much, I like the idea of, of watching stuff that's kind of out of your comfort zone a little bit. Hmm. Because if you only ever watch stuff that you're really looking forward to, that you think you're going to like, the chances are you're never going to be surprised by something. You're only ever going to feel that tinge of disappointment. You're going to be surprised if you're in a negative yeah, way. Yeah, it's in a negative way. So you've got to go out there and go, do you know what? It's There must be something. That many people like it, there must be something. Indeed. And, um, and we're, joined by, we're joined by a guest. Hi. Hello, Brad. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Very good, very good. Sorry for being late. It, oh, no, it, it's all right, Brad. To be fair, it's my awful organisational skills that uh, uh, have, put, have, have caused that, so uh, no no apology necessary. Well, it's always nice to hear your beautiful voices. <laughs> you, sound uh, like, you, you sound like you're in a cave, Brad. Wh- which cave are you in currently? Hold on, I'm not in a cave, I'm just in my flat, but I haven't used this computer for Skype in a while, so if I'm really echoing, I guess I can... Try something else. No, no, no. You're okay. You're okay. Just don't talk that much. Okay. Possibly <laughs> <laughs> harsh, Ian. <laughs> I, I, I'd say Nazi's joking, but you never know. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're also getting some uh, trailers, uh, a little bit of what we've been watching, and the usual kind of tangents and, and bits and, uh, and bobs. Um, in terms of news, um, I think the biggest part of news this this week has been uh, the sacking of James Gunn from the Guardians universe. Yeah, that one came out of the blue, didn't it? Well, actually, the Guardians universe, the Marvel making of the Guardians films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, anyone got any views on that? Do we need to talk about it or not? Or is it just random weird? Go on, Brad. Oh, no, I mean, I don't have anything to say that anyone else wouldn't say. It's just stupid. I mean, it would be, unless there's something that we don't know, and, you know, now would be a good time for Disney to let people onto that, if there is. Mm, like, yeah, making them look really it, it was very quick. It was, what, like three hours, three, four hours? Since a alt-right convicted rapist <laughs> uh, did this. So maybe there was something else we don't know about. 
but going on what we do, it just and what everyone knows, it just sets an awful precedent for anyone making any kind of art. Well, that that's that's it. it. It's I know me and Ian spoke about it quite quite quickly afterwards, and we were sort of chatting over what's about it and saying that it it smacks a little bit of Disney have kind of used this. I mean, this is obviously is just opinions. We're not saying this is what has happened, but it does seem a little bit like Disney have used this as been as almost a bit of an excuse to get rid of somebody who might have been irking them slightly. For all the, the directors, actors, etc., that are part of this whole Marvel universe that are there, James Gunn probably is one of the most vocally um, aggressive uh, towards uh, certain politics, we'll say. <laughs> and you it, hedge your bets anymore. We, it just it, it does seem a little bit like they've gone right. This is this is a chance for us to do something. We kind of want us to do anywhere and then it's it's backfired a little bit on them but at the end of the day they quite literally have gone actually but no it's our ball it's the only ball so if you want to play with it again you're gonna have to play by our rules and our rules state will only play if he's not allowed to yeah but disney you know their rules are kind of ill-defined i mean oh yeah yeah as many people have joked Already, you know, they're going to change the name of the Walt Disney Company because you know he's anti—he was anti-Semitic. Yep. Yeah. Sarah Silverman made jokes about rape and the aristocrats. Are they still going to keep her voice in Wreck-It Ralph too? Yep. Is uh, are they going to at some point are they going to look at Robert Downey Jr.'s Wikipedia page and go, oh? Yeah. Didn't he like, hit, didn't he hit his girlfriend? While he was on. I mean, it's. Oh, it's just really, 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 really bad. I mean, this is, bear in mind, I mean, it seems to me like they don't want any trouble with the Trump administration while they've got yeah. a massive merger going through. Yeah, a very good point, yeah. It, it's. Yeah. yeah, but to be fair, surely a better tactic would have been to, take, to have taken to one side and just said, look, contractually, we can't fault this shit on social media. There must, have been, there must be something in the contract well, with Disney. Well, he's technically employed, you know, he's contracted in a way to Disney. They they might be able to say that, but it's, I don't know, it's... It, it, it just seems very neat. Well. No. Disney can then fire him for anything they deem to be, you know, outside the realms of moral their moral behaviour. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a very strange one. Like you said, there's... Everybody. It's not going on over well with the cast either, has it? It's not, but they're all they're all contracted um, to to their roles, and you can't see any of them going. Well, do you know what? I want to step away from this and eventually be a maker. The, the yeah. thing is, uh, to be fair to Disney, I mean, like the Roseanne situation, they it wasn't as quick as Gun, but that happened pretty fucking speedily as well, and it's. <laughs> shit she'd done 10 years ago and had apologized for a long time ago though was it that was recent no oh no no i no believe me i'm not like i I, no i'm not yeah i mean the fact that someone can apologize and obviously be a different person and still get hounded out of a job is fucked Mm. like that like it, it it is fucked but it's just in terms of like how quickly they react to things no one, 
and I like I am you know this is nothing to do with the with the politics of it whatsoever. No one was complaining when Wurzan Barr got fired really fucking quickly. And it's so just the, the whole reactionary kind of thing, I think, is maybe the wrong argument to take. Like the difficulty with being left leaning is that you have your arguments have to be fucking on point constantly. Because otherwise, it, it just seems like these days the right will find something. So the argument of Disney being really quick to do it, they could just fire back immediately where they did that with Roseanne Barr too. And it's, yeah. I, you know, I just, I I wish, that, that I, I mean, the, the world's going to shit at the moment. And part <laughs> of the problem is that the left have a habit of biting, whereas the right seem to be patient and persistent and when they stamp their feet the government reacts when the left stamp their feet twitter reacts and you know it's so i don't know it's it's a wider point but it is a fucking it's the start of a trend which i'm which is pretty fucking shitty and you know the cast can do absolutely nothing about it if the cast fucking like even hint at quitting, they will be fucking blacklisted from Disney forever. And what's that going to do for them these days? <laughs> well, well, you can have if you bring up the Roseanne thing. I mean, again, it's the it's two things. It's, it's, it's the double standard again. Both James Gunn and Roseanne had these tweets in their past. One of whom has apologised for them ten yep. years ago or whatever. One who hasn't, and then Roseanne is still like it. And made a racist joke, and I mean, smarter people than me have already said it. But you know, jokes about paedophilia and is not paedophilia. Jokes about racism is racism. Yeah. James Gunn didn't actually do anything wrong that Disney, and they can cl- they can claim ignorance, but they knew who they were hiring. Yeah. And, and he always publicly apologised for them. So I kind of feel that something else is going to come out of this. Like a hidden reason. Hmm. Mm. I mean, also, I mean, they're supposed to be filming in the autumn. We might. James Gunn not directing Guardians of the Galaxy 3 to me isn't as damning as James Gunn not writing Guardians of the Galaxy 3. He has delivered a script that's set to shoot. It's whether they bring another director on to shoot his script or whether they want his name off completely. And. Again, they're being a bit hypocritical if they use his script. The thing is, the the, the, the statement put out that he was sacked as as the director of the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Well, exactly, and also that could allow them to like still save some face. I mean, there are you know, they Disney probably know that public perception is for the most part against them and not in favour of the convicted rapist. And you know, it's probably. At least they can say, well, you know, we're going to use his script to still, you know, we'll just have a different director. Maybe James Gunn didn't want to direct it. Maybe he wanted to go and do something else, and this was convenient for everyone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, his his statement was pretty, yeah, all right, fair enough. But exactly. that, maybe, they, maybe they already have creative differences over it, or maybe he just had something else come up. I mean, it could be anything, but my guess is that you end up with a, Disney or Marvel-friendly director. It won't be someone like Taika Waititi because he's too much of an auteur, but maybe someone like James Bobbin or that's someone like fu- that. That is a great shout. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. that's really a good shout. 
who comes in to do James Gunn's script. That's my feeling. That's what will end up happening. Yeah, you could you could see that happening. It, it, that's that's the, the most likely kind of looking for it, isn't it? Really, to be honest. Um, anything else? Maybe news has happened this week. To be fair, there's so many fucking trailers to get through. Yeah, I would say I, so. I, I, Brad or Becky, unless there was anything. I don't think so. I mean, film festival bullshit. As usual, it's been announced, but nothing that's actually like news. So. Should we delve into trailers then? So, Ian, what have you been watching? Well, fucking, there's just been all sorts, haven't there? Um, just, that, just, just get Fantastic Beasts out of the way. Like, I just don't know who's excited for that film. That film is like the most fucking will make several hundred million dollars worldwide and then disappear off the face of the earth culturally film you'll ever fucking see. I, I think there'd be an awful lot more excitement for it if at the end of the first one, Farrell hasn't turned into Johnny Depp. I think his problematic presence is dulling a lot of people's excitement for it. First Fantastic Beasts, one of the beigest films you've ever seen. <laughs> it's it's alright. Yeah. It's fine. It's I enjoyed it. I watched it on a Sunday evening in winter or autumn and that was nice. And and that was about it. I don't need to see The Crimes of Grindelwald. Well, that's it. These films at this point are product. You know, they're not based on books that people want to see adapted. It's J.K. Rowling and David Yates to churn out five more films because they want to make five, near four billion more dollars. Yeah. It doesn't feel like there's a pressing need. I mean, I love, I think David Yates is the second best director in that franchise, but he seems bored of it now. The first, and he is a very boring man, but, you know, he, <laughs> yeah. but the, um, the last one was just so dull. Mm. And I like those, you know, I like the Harry Potter. One. I mean, I fucking hate Eddie Redmayne. So that didn't help. And they doubled down on him. Didn't they? Fuckers. Yeah. It, it's, I, I, I still haven't seen fantastic Beasts, And I just, I've got to this point where I'm now... I just don't think I need to. You don't. You don't. I mean, this uh, one's got Alan Turner in it as well as another Eddie Redmayne. Like, there's that shot at the end of the trailer where they're standing next to each other and it might as well just be two fucking Eddie Redmaynes. Oh, is that his brother? Like, in, uh, the, yeah. in the film? No, it's Alan Turner playing his brother, apparently. Yeah, all right. Because that's just what we need. More Scamanders. Does he look like he's about to cry all the time as well? No, he's actually a really good actor, but they've clearly styled him to look like another Redman. I think, you know, because that's how brothers work. They dress, wear the same things. And... <laughs> but the thing is, this, this is done by, by very deep, deep Tories, so uh, <laughs> yeah. they probably do all dress the fucking same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, anyway, it looks boring, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. What else, what else we got here? Um, Shazam. Yeah, yeah, let's talk. Shazam looks all right, man. Fucking... Guy who directed Lights Out and Annabelle Creation doing some mid-budget superhero film that's not going to have a shitload of expectation thrust upon it. Bollocks to it. Why not? Well, you know, yeah. horror and comedy are the two hardest genres to direct well, and he did a good horror film. And, you know, you tend to find that people that move from horror and comedy into other things tend to do them well. Yeah, they had to play to an audience, and Shazam looks like a comedy more than anything. But it just looks fun after that awful Aquaman trailer. See the Shazam one, which was like, ah, oh, this like 
looks fun. It does. It, it's, I, I like the fact that they've used the... They haven't tried to do anything with the costume. They've gone, let's just do the full costume and make him look a little bit like a tit. And it, 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 it works. It fits quite quite nicely with it. Yeah. It's great. Mark Strong's back in villain mode again, which looks a bit dull, but, you know, the rest of it looks fun. It, it almost feels like having Mark Strong as the villain. He's almost, in a way, some kind of full meta parody of a villain. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, it's, it's, it's not dissimilar from Green Lantern, is it? Uh, yeah, you, you do expect him to find a yellow ring at the end, don't you? And I, I just, I don't know. It... it just looks really good. I sat there and thought, there's not much to say about this. It's big with superheroes. And The Rock is clearly going to have a cameo in it for his Black Adam thing that's supposed to be set in the same thing. But, you know, it looks fun. Yeah, that's it. And I'm, 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 I'm fine with, with a fun kind of... It looked like Sky like another like another Sky High. You know, I fucking love Sky High. I'd watch another Sky High. Good shout. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know why they never did a Sky High TV show, man. Anyway, that's a whole other conversation for us. That is a good point. I, yeah, I, I don't know why they never did a Sky High TV show. That should have, that would have worked really quite well. Um, well, we just uh, uh, Brad just made reference to his thoughts on it. Aquaman, fucking, do you know what? It's coming out a few days before Christmas. I'm a fucking watch this on a Cineworld super screen with the old Dolby Atmos going, and if it's shit, I'll laugh at it. There's a lot of potential laugh-at material with Aquaman. But you've also got Jason Momoa. I like I like James Wan. Fucking Amber Heard's hair looks ridiculous. <laughs> it, it, like, it, I, you know, I just, I, I hope it knows what it is. Well, the thing is... That's for, it. it looks like it's having a lot more fun than, than the other DC movies have so far. Yeah, but for, for a movie that costs $200 million, why does it look like they bought Fuck a wig? me, that costs $200 million. It costs more than that, unofficially. Yeah. Jesus, was, wet, really? That film yeah. has been in active development for three years. I mean, that active development would have cost $50 million alone. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, that, but still, I don't understand why she's wearing such a cheap wig. Okay, I'll still watch it because Momo is in it. Well, yeah, I'll watch it and it'll probably be a lot of fun. And it's James Wan and I kind of trust James Wan, but it's, it just seems like any time this DC Universe stuff happens, you look at it and just go, ah, they just, it, it's just, it, it, it's a snowball that's running away from them. They don't seem to be able to stick the landing on any of them, really, do they? No, I don't think they managed to take off. <laughs> James Wan is a great filmmaker. And like, I, really, I sat there and thought, this could be really good. He is legitimately a great filmmaker. And Jason Momoa is, the only, is you know, super charismatic. But I just watched that and was like, oh, here we go. Another blue and red bubbly car CGI boom electric mess in the last 45 seconds of that trailer. And those weird things that look like they came out of the Animaniacs cartoon, shooting lasers out of their eyes. Which <laughs> yeah. it, 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 it's not a good trailer, is it? <laughs> it's an awful trailer. I'm surprised that's what they led with. Because it basically says, all those things you didn't like about the other films, we've basically put all of them into this one, but it's not miserable. <laughs> yeah. I did, I, I will admit, I enjoyed the you got to love redheads. Yeah! 
bit. That, uh, the thing is, if this movie it does seem like this, if this movie is going to succeed in any way, it is going to be off the actual, of the, just the charisma of Jason Momoa. But, you know, sell it like that. I mean, looking at that Shazam trailer and the Aquaman trailer, they both came from the same studio on the same day. Yeah. It's like, just, just lean into Momoa and the trailer. Do a trailer that just says, hey, look, this isn't going to be a big exploding mess. You're going to like these characters and the underwater stuff doesn't look shit. And the best way to avoid that is to not show the big shit bits. And then, you know, save the big shit stuff for later. And just show a lot of Jason Momoa without his shirt on. That would get people in. It would get people in. Yeah. What else we got then, guys? I haven't watched that Alita Battle Angel trailer. I don't know whether that counts. It looks better than the first trailer. And there was that Jonah Hill trailer today, the one he directed, mid-90s. It looks like American Honey for babies. Very, I'm actually quite interested in that. <laughs> yeah, Mark, you're pumped for that, aren't you? <laughs> it's uh, it, it, interesting that he's, he's, the, um, he's shot it in 133. Um, the best aspect so range. It is the best aspect ratio. Shot on Super 16. Yeah, it just looks like... I think I I already kind of hate it because I know that every hipster in the world is going to love it. Like, it's pretty much guaranteed to be on Little White Lies top ten of the year already. (laughs) (laughs) It it looks very much like Jonah Hill was cleaning out his his room at his mum's and found a copy of Kids and went... Holy shit! I've had an idea. I mean, you, you sit there, you, you think that the people, all the insufferable. I mean, I, I like Lady Bird. Don't get me wrong, but the insufferable noise around that film, like how if that didn't win an Oscar, people were going to like kill themselves. I think it'll be worse with this one somehow. I doubt that. <laughs> I think all these people, awful people, are going to go nuts for it. Yep, yeah, I'm one of those awful people, but I didn't go nuts for fucking Lady Bird. <laughs> No, I mean it could it could be guys. What well, I, I think I watched trailers for. I don't. Bear in mind, I have no interest in skateboard culture. So I mean that probably limits me already. But I just, for me, the ninety. I guess it's a, it's a different experience than the nineties, isn't it? I was younger than you guys. The the, 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 the fish eye lens shit got my fucking dick hard, Brad. I won't lie. Yeah, me. I'm all. You know, see, for me, the nineties were. You know. Britpop and English stuff, you know. I, I, I wasn't, that, that, you know, the nineties. I, 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 the whack, the whackness is still the best American film about the nineties that wasn't made in the nineties, and this doesn't look as good as the whackness. The whackness. I, I actually really like the whackness. Yeah, yeah. That really solid film. Uh, well, the thing is, I think with me being like that few years older than, than than you, it's kind of. I'm looking at this going. I kind of remember that culture. I remember the. Um, I remember being a, a, a skateboarder and the whole that whole culture. You do look at it and go, do you know what? I, I've thought that. And plus, also, well, I have a nostalgia for, for something like kids, for instance, because I remember kids being, I remember kids being made, and it was, it was in all the skate magazines, and then it was banned, and you couldn't. It was never going to released in the, the UK, and then um, kids is still fantastic though. And I remember, I remember going to see kids at a showing in the old city screen cinema in York that used to be in the museum gardens in York. And, um, they literally, they had to, they had to lock the doors, uh, about halfway through it. Um, and we found out afterwards that they'd actually not, they'd actually told the cinema, um, and, that they were showing something else and that they hadn't got licensing to show the film at all wow. and that it was still banned and 
that they were going to get essentially arrested for it. Um, but yeah, they, they'd somehow managed to get a copy into the UK <laughs> to screen it. Um, and I think that there, was, there was two screenings in the UK, and one of them happened to be in York, I remember going to it, and it was fucking terribly projected. So it was years later until they actually released it on VHS, I think in like 99 or 2000, where I actually saw it properly. Uh, so that kind of nostalgia for that is obviously is very much feeding into to, to the fact that I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this. But yeah, it, it, it might be a piece of shit, but it, it might be great. I mean, th- to be fair, I mean, like with Ladybird, that film, just the, the the kind of the era in which that was set, basically added a half star for me. Like, yeah. and I, I know that's like really fucking, e- like, how easy are you to fucking satisfy? But it was, it, it just like, it it it, it spoke to me. Um, I don't think I was quite, if it doesn't win an award, I'm going to kill myself, um, <laughs> as Brad alluded to earlier on. But I, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm very fond of Lady Bird, which, by the way, Brad, I forgot to say, we're doing our top five and bottom five of the year on this show as well, if you, if you have anything. I think, I think I know what your number one bottom one's going to be. Do you? Yeah, I, I, fucking, if, if, if it's not that one, I will be stunned, sir. All right, I, I keep my list updated, so I'm cool for that. Okay. Cool. Uh, uh, right. But, yeah, but yeah, uh, Ladybird's going to be on my one there. But I, I don't think I went super, super nuts over it. I think I had shit in check. In terms of other trailers, the only ones I have here that I, I, I haven't listened to last week's episode, but I've got, I don't know what you've already spoken about, but I've got Assassination Nation, Bohemian Rhapsody, and On the Basis of Sex. Uh, we did we did Bohemian Rhapsody and Assassination Nation, but you're welcome to to give us your views on as well. Yeah, uh, do it. No, I mean I don't really have I me mean, Bohemian Rhapsody. I, I I know too much about that production to ever expect the film to be any good, uh, <laughs> and that the awful scripts and the fact that Queen produced it themselves. Um, that that's the big one. That's a fucking yeah. I mean, the film ends. The film ends at, at Live Aid, which tells you everything you need to know about what kind of story about Freddie Mercury they want to tell. That's yeah. interesting, uh, and it's very much they're going for the PG thirteen version of that story. Was the original intention from the draft I read? So, while a while ago, so we'll see whether that sticks. Assassination Nation, I think, is going to be better than the trailer makes it look I think it's obviously going to be provocative but I think it's actually going to be cleverer although I still think Bodied is the one to I find I got a ticket for Bodied at Fright Fest because I don't know when the fuck YouTube are going to release that but it seems like they're dealing in similar things I'm interested by the fact Assassination Nation is directed by Barry Levinson's son oh really yeah Sam Levinson who hasn't directed his first feature but again he's not a stupid guy I've read interviews with him before Um, on the basis of sex just looks like they thought someone saw the Iron Lady and thought oh yeah shit we that was cool let's do that is that is that the one about Ruth Bader Ginsburg yeah with Felicity Jones's really really bad Brooklyn accent and (laughs) it's like well the RBJ documentary came out and completely uh, gee sorry and completely fucking sucked the air out of the room yeah, I can't wait to see that. But I do. I mean, I'm fascinated mm. by the fact that this is what Mimi Leader's first film in about mm. what nine years. 
she's done lots of amazing television, like The Leftovers, but she hasn't done a film in a while. But it just literally looks like, yeah, like the American version of The Iron Lady, which isn't a compliment for anyone. Well, The, the, the Iron Lady, one of the, uh, the second last film I saw projected on 35mm. and uh, the last? Thank fuck, Cabin in the Woods. Oh, good. So, yeah, no, I, I that was haunting me, Brad. Like, because I fucking... Iron Lady, it was the last one I uh, previewed before I left the projectionist role. Um, yeah. And then I didn't I, I didn't go to that view then, because I, I went to the, the, the Cineworld, and it's... Uh, it was all uh, digital there, basically. But then there was a pre, uh, there was a like a uh, talker of Cabin in the Woods at the View, so I went there. And thankfully, yeah. last one I saw on thirty five mil. I'm very, very pleased about that because that would have fucking haunted me. Hey, look, at, least, <laughs> at least it wasn't Fred Claus, eh? Oh, the Fred Claus incident. Oh, what a wonderful time that was. I just like to bring that up every time. Yeah, no, I know you do. Thanks. <laughs> What about the? What about the? Oh no, actually no. That was in Cardiff when I put on "Let Me In" instead of the fucking Zack Snyder Owl film. Was it you that put on, or was it one of the other guys who accidentally put on? Was it the Saw Six instead of High School Musical? Yeah, or that, that was six? that was Danny. That was Dan, of course did, it was fucking Danny. Yeah, you remember Danny? Sorry, it's boring for everyone, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, like literally saw like one of the Saws instead of High School Musical three. <laughs> but the, and the thing is right fucking tangent time that guy like he, there's no fucking way he listens to this actually I don't care anyway right fucking that, that guy let me get mugged that guy yeah that guy let Brad be mugged straight up <laughs> true story and that, oh, yeah he sounds like a treasure <laughs> like he's really yeah. thick, to be honest he like yeah. straight up ran away didn't he he ran away and then called the police. <laughs> wow. But, no, I mean, fuck it. Right, so at the cinema, for those who don't know, basically, you have three platters, so you can have two films on there with one unspooling onto the third platter. And literally, if you had a film that was not playing next you would put a thing on saying this film is not playing next. So it was like, okay, then do the next one. And he just didn't, he never fucking bothered moving them. He (laughs) never bothered moving them. The amount of times that guy put on the wrong fucking film. Like, but this was literally, it was like first shot. I think it was like a half term or something. First shot. It was my second week on the job. Oh, was it really? Shit. Mm. And he just like high school uh, fucking saw instead of high school musical, like first bloody show of the day. Just didn't realise what show he was putting on. And this is how obvious we make these things, other than writing the fucking title on the reel. And an eighteen, you put red tape on the end and write the title on the red tape. <laughs> high school musical was a you. You write it on green tape. Yeah. It's half term. You have a green tape film. You have a red tape film. Which one am I going to put on in the middle of the fucking day? Yeah, but I think not only could Danny not read, but he was also colorblind. 
I think I'm just making this up, but it would make that. I'm just trying. Devil's advocate. Fucking <laughs> idiot. You see Scorey now. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, hold it back. Um, glass, Ian. No, I just. The thing is, one other thing on that, right? Also, another preventative measure on each um, uh, each bit where the sound processor is, we'd have a sheet, and it would have the listings of all the films and the times, and you would have to initial when you had set that film up. So literally, he had to initial to say that he put on High School Musical three. When he loaded up Saw 6, not only this, but someone is supposed to be there We're at the start of the ads and when it goes into feature. <laughs> I'm guessing they were. Fuck. Just... Yeah, but it, at least that was back when they actually had people in projection. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing about Pitch House. But the, the, just to say, the, in case people think I'm a hypocrite, the Let Me In Owl movie thing... The thing up on the sound processor had the wrong film on it. So it told me I was supposed to put on Let Me In, not Owl Film. I um, I, I got into, very quickly on this tangent, I got into it again with Cineworld recently. Because the amount of fuck-ups just got too much. And I eventually managed to get hold of someone at head office. And got into them, got into them for about two hours, and then they went and fired two of the managers. Because what's interesting, I, I found out that using this one cinema, I won't say just because they're getting more trouble, but the, the the cinema that this was about, this just I thought it was really interesting because I haven't obviously been up in a projection booth since two thousand. When did I get fired? Two thousand and ten. Two thousand and ten. Two thousand and ten. And I also say it was different because it was filmed back then, predominantly. And the, when there's an issue at Cineworld with a screen, I was told by the manager on duty that they aren't allowed to fix it. They have to call a technical team who fix it remotely. <laughs> and then, yeah, that sounds about right. So it was yeah. a Sunday evening, so I said, cool, why don't you ring them? Oh, well, they're not working today because it's a Sunday evening. Like, yeah, but you're showing films until midnight. So you're telling me that it doesn't fucking stupid oh well, you'd be surprised with stuff like that <laughs> well yeah exactly. but anyway when i and all this kind of stuff so when, when i finally spoke to the guy at head office he said no all our managers are trained they're supposed to do it themselves and if they can't they call the technical team which means that they're just being fucking lazy so it's just it's just shit <laughs> anyway they haven't projected anything wrong there in about a month now uh, to, to be fair like You've you, you've been onto them for a while about yes. that, and I'm I'm glad you actually found a resolution there, Brad. Fair play. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be in London, so I get to see lots of films projected properly on film as well as digital. But every time I go back to my parents to that awful shitbox cinema, I mean, it's when I oh, they they tell you it's it's what the I, I'm not going to get into it. I've done it before. Anyway, I'll be quiet. I'll tell you what, just as a matter of balance before we move on, Cineworld Cardiff have not put a foot fucking wrong in years for me. And I go there all the time. They probably just have that rare thing in cinemas nowadays, which is someone working there at a high level who genuinely loves cinema. actually cares. Yeah, no, it might well be that. But seriously, they're fine. And it got announced today and every man's coming to Cardiff. I saw you having a jizz over that. 
I'm, I, you know, it's just the fact that it's a slightly more independently minded um, piece. No, but you'll get first run independent films a lot more unless yeah. a big blockbuster comes out, in which case they'll still just show that. Which and that that's the, and that's the thing. And there's a car park close by that has an electric car charging point, so I can't ask for more. Well, I will say as well, you since the new manager came in a couple of years ago, they don't have any problems there. It's usually pretty much spot on, with the exception of the fact that it's it's starting to show its age a little bit. The cinema was quite weird. We'll come to the glass trailer and the Godzilla trailer in a second, but there was no trailers. What was the Bex before Mamma Mia too? No, it's really confusing. Yeah, it was really odd. All of the adverts, and then a few more adverts, and you're thinking, right, here we go. Get trailers in a second. Nope, straight in the fucking film. I, I think it was basically because all, all the women in there were close to climaxing, so it was just like... I think, I think it was. It, they, they, they just decided, you know what, they're not going to watch any of these films anyway, so mm. we won't bother. Mm. Um, Ian, glass trailer, what did you think? I don't know whether there are any trailers before mine, because I literally walked in as the BBFC card was up. That's interesting. Anyway, glass trailer, yeah, why the fuck not? I, um, I... I there's been a few things that have thrilled, actually thrilled me so much in the cinema in recent years as watching Split not knowing that that was coming at the end and like watching people in the crowd, some of whom were like, what the fuck did that mean? And some of whom were going, oh, shit. And <laughs> like, yeah, I, you know, Glass, it, it could, it could be awful but if it's not then that's going to be a real interesting trilogy of films I mean I watched Split and I felt this was a film made by a guy with some kind of Alzheimer that was very specific on how to make movies (laughs) Uh, I guess it's been happening with each successive film since maybe Signs but this one I, I I remember thinking, like, I can't remember, it's been so long since I saw it, but there was a bit where I came out of it and go, who thought that was good framing? Like, it was very much suggesting things that weren't paid off. It was, I just thought it was a piece of shit, with a very good performance at the centre. You, you were very much the same with um, Split, weren't you, Max? Yeah, yeah, it was... It was borderline incompetent. It was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be fair... I would say that the, the, the second half of M. Night Shyamalan's TV could be described as borderline incompetent. Yeah, but that stuff with the old fat psychologist looked like it was some lifetime TV movie as well. Like, it was really... And I, that, that first shot in the new trailer of Sarah Paulson centre frame of that purple looked like that same kind of hokey shit to me. And I, I, I just sat there and thought, I don't give a fuck how these three guys ended up. I love Unbreakable. It's easily his best film. Yeah. And I just don't want to see it get cheapened. Which is what this may well do. My issue is you're probably going to want to see that, which means you're going to have to watch Split and you will fucking hate it. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually curious about Glass, so yeah, I am going to have to watch Split and, and I have a feeling that it might irk me a little bit. I um, hope is really you'll be able to skip Split and you could just go from this to Unbreakable and just take James McAvoy's new character because I can't really imagine what's in Split that you're going to need to know because... Well, nothing... Anya Taylor-Joy's back in fairness, isn't she? Yeah, but there was some weird backstory with her maybe getting molested by an uncle or something, but other yeah. than that, she was a fucking cipher as well. The film is clearly going to lead up to her having some sort of power in some capacity, because they were hinting at that in Split as well, like there was more to her, and of course it wasn't paid off because they were doing another one, but I'm pretty certain you'd be able just to watch Glass and hate that one on its own. 
Um, Godzilla, King of Monsters. Um, I, 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 I've been enjoying um, certain sections of film Twitter going fucking mental because they use Claire de Lune. And it's like, well, the Godzilla teaser did the fucking music from 2001 and people were coming then. Yep. And, you know, it didn't necessarily mean that that was a great film. It's fucking... I don't... Like, Comic-Con's fucking weird. People just get drunk on Comic-Con. Yeah. It, it's it's fine. It's a good it's a good teaser. I'm up for seeing more. I like Michael Doherty. Yeah, that's it. I like Michael Doherty, but I, I was watching it thinking, I have no idea what they're going for here. I, and I, I kind of like that. There's not much Godzilla in the trailer for a... Godzilla. The never is though. Godzilla is like the, a secondary character. What's the wingy man that's in it? Is that Mothra? Mothra, yeah. He's in it more. He is. I. It just look, it just looks a, a bit. It looks a bit mad, but not like in a batshit crazy way. Just as in like Michael Doherty has made a different film to what he what to what the brief probably was. <laughs> I don't really. I mean, the, the Comic Cons are weird. This just felt like a really muted. Comic-Con in general, nothing like amazing mm. it makes so much of an impact, no one really goes, you know, the big studios apart from Warner Brothers and Fox, no one really goes there anymore, but the I didn't like the last Godzilla that much, I thought it looked amazing it it, it was, I was alright with the first watch, it fell apart second watch that film's a fucking pile of shit they should have killed Aaron Taylor Johnson at the beginning and let Brian Cranston live, and it would have been a much more interesting film yeah, yeah but in general, it's just had more Godzilla in it. I mean, it looked gorgeous. This one will probably be better just by the fact it doesn't have to set it all up. And Michael Doherty makes fun films. Mm. And the cast is great. It's like kind of bonkers. It like is. One from every TV show you've ever liked ever, plus a couple of film actors. You know, yeah. you've, got the guy from, you've got a guy from Silicon Valley, a guy from Friday Night Lights and Bloodline, a guy from Game of Thrones, someone from... The West Wing, someone from Bates Motel, someone from Stranger Things, a couple of token Asians who you recognise from everything because Hollywood has very <laughs> limited capacity for... It has four Asians. Yeah, there's a few that they like to put in American films. So you've got Zhijiang, Ken Watanabe, and then you've got Ice Cube's son. Oh, and Sally Hawkins, who once again is going to get turned on by a lizard creature, reptile thing. <laughs> there's that one shot of her in the trailer thinking you did yeah like, you, you like, did say like, I told myself uh, I wouldn't do it again I'm not going to do it again oh you know I have to <laughs> what can I say <laughs> except this one's bigger <laughs> I just um, I, actually just while I'm on that mind and this is going to mean nothing to you guys Paul Dyer when yep. you listen to this at work like you usually do can you come over to me and confirm whether you set, confirmed to someone the other no to Kyle the other day that the Shape of Water was set in the fucking Hellboy universe because you're an idiot. There you go. End of. <laughs> um, anyone got any other trailers? I've got one more. Uh, no, I'm trying to think what I've got here. There was a so someone found the, the deleted scene from the Rules of Attraction with the, with Casper Van Dien playing Patrick Bateman. That was bonkers. Oh, I'm at the search for that. I would like to see that. I would as well. Send it to you. Oh, cheers, man. Um, 
Only one I've got is uh, Cut to Rot City, the uh, RZA movie set, the RZA heist movie set in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. Is that um, how you say it, RZA? Yeah. I never knew. Yeah, the RZA. What, did, like you just say, did you just say RZA? No, I used to go RZA. <laughs> Razor. Yeah, there is a. Um, it's, yeah, this, this, this very much. It, it looks like it's quite up my street. This. Yeah, well, yes, it does. You'd have those three letters attached to it, and you'd be fucking watching it. I do you? like the RZA. Yeah, I, I very much do like the RZA. It looks, but it's very different to something like the Man with the Iron Fist, which of course had that fantastic Russell Crowe performance in oh, it. Oh yes. Um, but yeah, this this looks like an actual more of a standard film rather than a stylized film yeah. um yeah I'm, I'm intrigued certainly yeah this look good yeah um right shall we move on to our our main event well uh, we're only about 50 minutes in why not yeah <laughs> let's give it a go um i've decided to commit to being a grandmother <sighs> it's, it's 25 years too late i say we move past that you know, so if being a grudge holder makes you fat, so let's just concentrate on the here and now and me stepping up to becoming a good grandmother. A great grandmother. Thank you. No, he's saying that... Wait, how do you know? Sky? I'm saying We agreed. So? I only told Sam because he's my stepfather and also one-third of my real father. I just told Bill. He's my best friend. And I told Harry. He's father number three. I told many, many people. So, yeah, we, well, we watched Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Very quickly, before we do this, Ian, um, because obviously this is a sequel. Yeah. Ian, um, very quickly, what we, you, you, you actually you enjoyed the first one, didn't you? I had a great time with it. I Instagrammed many, many things, which had multiple people in work saying, did you really watch Mamma Mia last night? Which was yep. joy. Um, yeah, we, we also did watch Mamma Mia again. and I didn't enjoy it. We're not gay, but we, we watched it. Didn't enjoy it quite as much as, as, as you, did we? I can no longer wear my I have never seen Mamma Mia badge alongside my I have never seen Avatar badge. You, you, you can't do that. Can't, no. Um, so, right. Mamma Mia. Um, just quickly, though, Brad, um, were you a fan of the first Mamma Mia film? Because you're, you're a very big musicals fan, aren't you? Yeah, I'm a huge musical fan. Not much of an ABBA fan. And I mm. thought that I've always believed that the first Mamma Mia is a crime against cinema. <laughs> yeah. I, I can agree with you on that one. <laughs> again, I have to be kind of nice because I've worked with the director of Mamma Mia on something else, and she's a lovely lady, but she, she hasn't done another film since the one I worked with her on because she says herself she's not a film director. She doesn't want to do it again. She is a stage director. Yeah. Out of interest, what was the film? Iron Lady. Oh, fuck, yeah, she did direct Iron Lady, did, did yeah. she? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, fucking hell. Sorry, yeah. Which explains a lot. She didn't know what she was doing. I think there's a bit where Piers Brosnan's singing a song and half of his head's cut off. It's badly framed. There's no energy to it. I tried watching it again two days ago, wondering if I'd missed something. Because I remember when I started working at the cinema, even though it was out on DVD, they were still showing it. And there were always fat women dancing in the cinema when I was trying to clean the screen. I was getting really pissed off. Um, I, said, I remember how annoyed you were during the Mamma Mia days. Yeah. So I tried watching it again, thinking maybe I was a grumpy 22-year-old then, you know, and I might like it more now in my less cynical 
years. But no, I got ten minutes in and was like, I can't do this shit. <laughs> <laughs> we almost had plenty. Of we we we, we almost did, but just didn't for the sheer well out, out of professionalism is what I'm going to say. Well, yeah, out of professionalism. So, mommy, here we go again. We we did go again. Um, it's set five years after the events of the first movie. You're rubbing your head in pain. <laughs> right. I'm going to get into that later. <laughs> right. Um, Meryl Streep is dead. Um, and uh, Amanda Seyfried has, has finally rebuilt the hotel and she's having a... She's had a lot in five years, hasn't she? She's had. All on edge. Um, and then... So she's having a big party to to launch the hotel, and that's basically the, 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 the kind of story. And we have flashbacks to her mother discovering the building that is now the hotel, etc. And the essentially flashbacks to the events that caused the first film. Well, to be fair, she is really sad about the fact that her mum's dead, and she just wishes she could be here to see this. <laughs> um, so stars. Um, Christine Berinsky, Pierce Brosnan, Dominic Cooper, Colin Firth, Andy Garcia, Lily James, Amanda Seyfried, Stellan Skarsgård, Julia Walters, and Cher. Fucking Cher. And Cher. Fucking Cher. <laughs> so, uh, um, uh, Brad, I'll go with you first. Uh, what did you think of Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again? Uh, I wasn't going to see it. And then I thought, well, I kind of have to, because I don't like to have an opinion on something if I haven't seen it. A very good point. And also my dear friend Alan McDonald was the production designer and he um, took his own life during the making of that film. So I felt like I had to see it. Cause it Jesus last Christ, I didn't know that. Yeah, Mamma Mia didn't kill him. You know, it was just an unfortunate timing. So well, no, I didn't think Mamma Mia did, to be fair. But no, shit, Brad, I'm sorry to hear that. It. Fuck. I wanted to see it his last film. So I went with my dad and it was Jesus. 12 o'clock on Friday. And uh, I loved it. I was like, oh shit. I joked that it's, to me, it was the last Jedi of ABBA musicals. <laughs> <laughs> and I came out of it thinking, oh, now I get why people like Mamma Mia. Like, I came out of The Last Jedi thinking, now I get why people like Star Wars films. That was Noel, to be fair. Yeah, Noel, go see Mamma Mia, here we go again. I don't think Noel would like it. No, 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 no. <laughs> but it would be funny. But that was it. So I came out of it thinking, I, I get it now. I, mean, I think it's because old Parker is a film. He's not like a, a great filmmaker, but he's but like he's a filmmaker. He's a filmmaker, just like Michael Gracie isn't a film great filmmaker. But him and James Mangold, uncredited, did a good job with The Greatest Showman. You know, if you know how to frame a musical number, stand back and let people dance and make it dynamic. That's half the battle. And Abba songs. Um, actually, I think because I'm not that familiar with ABBA, the fact they had to use some deeper cuts in this meant there were songs I'd never heard before, which to me might as well have just been original musical numbers. So yeah. they work yeah. better for me than watching them try and fist some ABBA popular songs into things where they didn't really fit. Um, and the, also, they learned from the last one the hard way who can sing and who can't. <laughs> yeah. And didn't let those awful singers sing solos and they cast a young cast who are all very charismatic very appealing to look at and can sing yep 
And that storyline was a lot more interesting than the continued adventures of Amanda Seyfried's hotelier career. True. Um, and the film was too long. I mean, I don't know why it was nearly two hours. I mean, I, I think there was a point. I don't know what we're not. Are we talking? Do we like to talk about what happened yeah, or not? Yeah, yeah, do it, man. All spoilers yeah. all the time. When, when you know, she's had sex with all three of the men and her friends have come and, you know, she's found out she's pregnant. I was like, cool, we're near the end now. And I looked at my watch and there was still like 45 minutes left. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll get some issues with that. And by the time Cher's 72-year-old body with a 30-year-old face awkwardly lumbered on, I was like, get a move on now. I mean, she can sing beautifully, but it's the cognitive dis- dissonance of looking at her face and then watching her move is really <laughs> Okay. The fact that she you commented on that, didn't you, Vex? Yeah, when we came out. Really and also, Andy Garcia was three in 1959. Oh, don't, don't, don't get me started on that, because I will in a minute. So um, Cher is three years older than Meryl Streep. She is, what is it, four, 13 years older than Andy Garcia. So in 1959, Cher was what? Allegedly, she's that old. I mean, we never know with Cher. She was, what, 16, 17? And Andy Garcia was... Three when they had this tryst, incredible romantic tryst that Andy Garcia's Fernando has never been able to forget. Uh, and yet James Gunn's the one getting fired. I'm just saying. Yeah, I was going to say that's probably. Bex, what 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 are your thoughts on it? And then we'll come to Ian after you. It's 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 worth part from the first one, isn't it? It's like it's like watching. Yeah. You're right, Ian. I just that fucking. I'm so sorry. Just that fucking. <laughs> yeah, James Gunn's the one getting fired. I'm sorry. Sorry, mm. Becky. Go on. That was just a good line. Uh, is when when because obviously we watched them back to back because neither of us had seen the first one. We we watched them within the space of 24 hours of each other, and the first mm. one, honestly, for the first three quarters of an hour, is just horrifically bad. Like almost unwatchably bad. There is one thing that saves that movie, and it's Christine Bransky. And if she wasn't in it, I honestly think I would have given up on it. Um, but this one, the the, the the musical numbers are better, the dancing's better, the story's better. It just looks nicer. The acting's better. It's 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 like a completely, it's like a grown up version. It's like it's sort of gone. Oh, okay. Well, that was shit, but everyone liked it. What if we make a good one? <laughs> and. You know, the fact that Meryl Streep wasn't in it was an added bonus until oh, that horrific scene at the end, that awful fucking schmaltzy scene in the church yeah. almost ruined it for me. I was like, oh, God, I hope they don't take this too far because it might just ruin the whole thing for me. But, you know, Cher was there. She's the bit at the end, the sort of pre-credits well, bit. Well, credits, wasn't it? Um, well, they weren't running over it, were they? But yeah, but that that musical number where she's all discoed up was was awesome. I love seeing her do that. Um, and yeah, I just I, it's just I will watch this again. I will never ever watch Mamma Mia again. I will not put myself through it, but I will watch this again probably numerous times. It was fun. There was enough like laugh out loud moments that you know it, it kind of it was a fun experience in the cinema. Because um, everyone was, you know, it was there was just a nice vibe, it was it, and it was absolutely round, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's me. What's Sarah uh, ever done to you? I just really dislike her. I hate. I just don't like watching her and stuff. 
I don't I like a face. I mean, I, I don't didn't like realize smug attitude. You don't like her face. No, I don't like it. Right, to, to be fair, Brad, you've worked with her and you lo- you genuinely like the woman. Yeah, but put, put, putting that aside, I actually, I realise I haven't actually watched a Meryl Streep film that she made between The Deer Hunter and Death Becomes Her. So I did miss <laughs> that. I haven't, I haven't seen anything from that nakedly Oscar bait craving decade, the age, which tended to be the, I think, Out of Africa, Silkwood, the one with the dingo eating her baby, and all of that. But... No, no, I don't know. She's just, she's just not a screen presence that I like. I don't like her, her stance on certain social issues where she jumps onto a bandwagon about four weeks after they've actually kind of been accepted by everyone as being a worthy cause, and then she yeah, just kind of makes out she's she, been she, there she, right she, from the beginning. She, uh, she doesn't she? she just, yeah, she just gets on my nerves. I just don't like her. I don't. There's no real logical reason for it. Just one of those you just don't like. But it's a long-standing one, this one. It has been going a long, a, yeah. a vast amount of years. <laughs> this one, um, Ian. Yeah, yeah, Ian. You, 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 yeah. Let's just go to you. You, you. you this took you by surprise. Didn't I it? fuck it. Well, the thing is, watched Mamma Mia last Thursday after we finished recording. I was like, sorry. Straight away after, like that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said I was going to, and I did. Hollow mm. through. And it was fucking. I, I, I had a good time with it. I had a good time with it. Not amazing. I had a good time with it. This one, as you guys have said, it's actually a film this time. Mm. And I already liked the first one, so I fucking adored it. Like, no no lie. Like, I fucking left that cinema on such a high that, I mean, because like, I know how much you guys support A Greatest Showman, and it was just like, this was my Greatest Showman in terms of that. Yeah. It's like, I I acknowledge other people can see faults in it. Subject, no, objectively, cool, fair enough, that that there are, I'm sure there are faults with it. Subjectively, I could not give a flying fuck yeah, I'm like that with it. We were sat having a drink last night and, and Matt was picking holes in it, which I'm sure he'll get to. And I was just like, but who fucking cares, Mark? It was fun. It was good. The songs were good. It was an emotional roller coaster. What? Whiny bitch. Yeah, well, anyway, my views on it. <laughs> well, I just want to say that the primary, the primary success for this film for me is Lily James. Oh, yes. It's right. really good, yeah. Okay, just on a completely vacuous level, that woman has got some of the best legs I've ever fucking seen. But, <laughs> and, and like, I'm, I'm not usually a leg man, but holy fuck. But anyway, like, just the like the way that her character is so charming, despite on on the surface level, she basically fucks off her friends and goes and has adventures with guys and then gets the friends back and as soon as there's a guy around it's off they off she goes and it was believed like the thing is it was actually believable that she would be with these three guys in this shorter time and her to actually be you you, you believe why in each case oh here's lottie hi hi babe you're right Okay, okay. Sorry, guys, just a sec. Uh, hey, baby. Right. Do you want to say, I'm just going to take my 
it, headphones on for a sec. Do you want to say hi to Mark and Becky and Brad? Hi. Hello. 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 I'm going to bed soon. You're going to bed soon, are you? Yeah. Night night. night night lots. Alright, do you want to say night night? Night night. Alright, love you, monkey. And I'm allowed to watch one Doc McStuffins. You're going to watch one Doc McStuffins? Alright, okay, babe. Alright, love you. I'll see you in the morning. Or see you when I. Or see you when I. Or see you when I come into your bed. Uh, or, or, yes, in the middle of the night when you, you come in with us. Alright, love you, baby. You don't play a barrier. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, probably wasn't going to happen. Anyway, sorry about that, guys. Uh, but yeah, no, um, I just big fan. Right, Mark, the timeline. Just fucking do it. Just have, say your fucking piece, you moany bastard. Well, no, can I, can I say my views on the film first? No. <laughs> right. Well, I really just me fucking steering the ship, so I'm gonna. Um, I I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, um, Ian, I am very much a leg man. Lily James has fantastic legs. I will agree with you on that one. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. It's an actual film. I know we've all said it, but it is an actual film. I don't believe that Army of the First One is an actual film. It's just it's one of those like weird MTV, ITV, VH1 <laughs> specials where they get a load of people that used to be in EastEnders to do a fucking musical, and it happened oh. to be like, like the fucking Grease thing or oh, what is it? Yeah, yeah. It, it was that that happened to be an Army movie. Um, so yeah, I don't like ABBA. I, you know, it's just not my style of music. But I, I had a good time with this. Um, it's a lot of fun. Um, will I watch it again with Becky? Probably, yeah. I probably will watch it again. Uh, just because a lot of the people in it are very, very charming. Becky, I'll watch it with you. Fuck that guy, I'll watch it with you. Um, I, I, I will get into more positives. But yeah, the timeline. Right. So. Right. The flashbacks are to 1979, right? Yep, because it states in the film that they're in 1979, yeah. right? So, therefore, it'd be okay to assume that uh, Sophie, Amanda Seyfried's character, is born in at the latest 1980, right? Yeah. Eight. Eight. Oh, you kind of for nine months. All right, all right, let's say that the latest then will be 81. It could be. 1979 is 12. There's nine months. To be fair, to be fair, it was graduation. That kid would be born in 1980. Thank you. So 1980, right? He's right. So the first film, right, she's 20. So that's set in 2000. Yeah. Right. And then this film is set five years after that, right? Yet, she's using an iPhone 8. So, it's set in 2005, but they're using tech from 2016. Oh, it's actually only set five years later. Yeah, apparently, yeah. yeah. Where was that stated in the film? Uh, She's referred to as being 25 years old, and um, in the plot synopsis it says, five years after the events of the first film... (laughs) Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I don't remember that being... It seems weird to do that, though. I she, mean, like, yeah, totally... she's referred to as being 25. Yeah, weird. normally wait 10 years to make a sequel and then say five years afterwards. They couldn't have shaped yeah. 10 years afterwards. Yeah. But yeah, the timeline makes no fucking sense, which drew me out of it. Mm. It, it, it really did draw me out of it. Uh, and, it and it bugged me. Because it, why does it need to be set five years? Why can't it be set 
10 years. It's made 10 years after it. Yeah. Logic fits it being 10 years. It just seems silly to only have set it five years later. It does, yeah. She still wouldn't have been able to use an iPhone 8, though. No, she still wouldn't have, but I could have maybe gone, oh, fair enough. But it's just, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't one make sense. Is that the one the phone? What? No, there was, it's it, it, it clearly set now rather than yeah. 13 years ago. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And that took me out of it. The thing it is, though, mate, right, Greatest Showman, you love Greatest Showman. You- yeah, this is a fault, but what about this? Stop using what about is an Ian. All I'm saying is, bud, like, cool. And, uh, it, it, it's, I just call truce. I just call no, truce. <laughs> no, um, but I'm the, being the bigger man then, Mark. That's all I can say. I just yeah. think if you're letting that... I would say the timeline is problematic, but it doesn't matter. Kind just, of. You have to just suspend disbelief and enjoy the movie. Kind of. You know... But, Time matters. Just saying it does. Yes, it does. But it's like you're quibbling about the, the, the Fernando song. The, the 1959 thing is just a lyric in the song. I don't... But they use it to, to, to signify that that's when they met, right? Which would make... Which, as we've discussed... <laughs> would make Andy Garcia in his 80s in the movie. And he's not. He's not 80. They can't change the lyrics on the song because that would be... They, they just can't. People would, yeah. would, would piss and moan about it. So they pick the most fitting song for the scenario and go with it. You're not supposed to... If they're not singing what they see, it yeah, is just bit. the song is is there as a an emotional crux. They are a little bit singing what they say. Can I just say one thing? About the about the Andy Garcia thing, like it doesn't say how old they were in 1959. They could be 16. If they were 16, you'd be saying that Andy Garcia is playing a 72 year old, which is the same age as Cher, and I could buy that. I could buy it at 72, but it just doesn't make sense for the rest of the time. But anyway, all the little gripes I've got, it's too fucking long. It's no, it's not. I could have watched it for four hours. Fuck you. With the exception of the Fernando bit, the third act is is a drag. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I will admit, Ian, the Fernando bit, which I'll let you get to and describe your joy with it in a second, which I think is firework based, um, <laughs> is um, that is it, is very good, and I, I very much enjoyed that. But then the rest of the third act is a little bit of a of a drag. I think there's a song too many in there. Mm. Yeah, there is. Yeah, and it's Meryl fucking Streep's song. Yeah, uh, Ian, you had a lot of fun with Fernando, didn't you? Right, yeah, I just, it, it's, it's, oh, when those fireworks went off, I almost stood up applauding and left the cinema. It was just, it was, <laughs> it was, it was, it, it was fucking exceptional. I just, just the way that, like, she looks over at him and just goes, Fernando! And then it just starts. It's like, yes, yes. <laughs> was better for me. I love the dancing queen section. That was ace. Oh no 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 don't get me wrong. The dancing queen section was it was just like it Fernando felt more like a crescendo. Yeah. You know yeah. like like the end of something and, and you know maybe that feeds into the, the Mark saying it's too long. It yeah. but Dancing Queen Selling Skarsgård and Colin Firth on the, on like that boat. It's just like I love that that piece of direction was just like go do that. 
just go, go do it. Why? Because it's fun. You know, it's just, it, it's bravo. Bravo. And I'll say as well, the Mamma Mia rendition in this film is so much better than the one in the first film. Not not, not the stage, not not the staging, I don't think. Like, I, I, I like how that progresses, but just, I don't know, like, it, it felt... It felt more lively. All of it felt more lively, though, to be fair. Mm, that's true. Oh, and Jessica Keenan when is fucking incredible. Yeah, she 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 very much nails uh nails a young Christine uh, Berinsky. I just uh, want to say I visually enjoy you. <laughs> yes. They really went out of their way to cast all the young actors as similar to their older counterparts as possible, except Lily James. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Gets away with it because she just has that level of charisma, star quality, star quality. Yeah, star quality. Yeah, but uh, be still, my beating vagina might be the best line in any film. I'll see. Followed by yeah. God, I hope your wife is dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah, God, I hope your wife is dead. Was fantastic. Uh, but yeah, uh, be still, my beating vagina was. Yeah. Uh, Ian, uh, you, I, you nearly stood up and applauded that. I nearly stood up and applauded that. No, I, I, Christine Baranski is just a it's just a world's treasure anyway. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed that and also in the same scene having washed and t- sent to my tent immediately. <laughs> yeah. That's fucking brilliant. It's just... it's the fact that that line's so off the cuff as well. It's not like it's not delivered like you'd be still my beating vagina one. It's just patter. It yeah. Just, it flows from the lips of the book. On the Christine Berinsky thing, we were sat in the, the pub after uh, watching Marmia 2, and I went through her, in, with Becky, went through her entire um, filmography and, and uh, assessed that literally she is the best thing in everything she's ever been in. Well, yeah, and also The Good Fight is the best, one of the best shows on television still. I mean, the woman can do no wrong. Yeah. Mm. Um it worked out we've both loved her since playing Marianne on Sybil. Yes, she was very good as Marianne on Sybil oh, as well. She was yeah. great in Sybil. First thing I saw her in. Um, so, Ian, Fernando was your um, musical highlight. Becky, yours was Dancing Queen. Yeah. Brad, what was your musical highlight in the film? Oh, Waterloo. Thank you. I'm the same as Brad Waterloo. It's very good. It's the most... Yeah musical numbered films a number in the whole film it was staged well it was big choreography was good i mean the, yeah. i mean obviously for me i'm biased because it was my friend alan's you know best work i think in the film hugh skinner is a future national treasure anyway if you watch w1a and fleabag that guy's timing's impeccable i just i i watch, i i would watch that waterloo number on loop also it's just the best abba song as well it, it, it was it was yeah I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and then it was for that it, that's where where with this film you go alright oh, this is a this is a proper musical rather than whatever the so first one was it was so polished it was yeah. it was you're looking for achievement I would probably agree that's the best one Dancing Queen was for the pure emotional like the joy oh my god they're coming to like hell kind of thing I think so. I would love it Waterloo was used in the first one, wasn't it, in the end credits, but it wasn't used in the film, whereas Dancing was, so I think it stands out for me just because it wasn't. I've I, I got to say that, I mean, I was listening to an interview with Old Parker where he was saying that he kind of felt like Dancing Queen and Mamma Mia had to be used, 
and it's yeah, I I I, I get that point. Um, you know, I'm not disputing using it, but I think if you had to pick my favourite, it would be the one that they haven't really used before. No, no. I mean, th- to be fair, the only reason why I'm saying Fernando is because it was Cher, Andy Garcia, and there were fucking fireworks at the end. It was just, it was that that moment got the fucking tone of the piece so right where it was like emotional but also just ever so slightly shit but like just ever so slightly and that that it just it was yeah i i but the dancing queen number was great and and as alluded to earlier on pierce brosnan getting a little bit of SOS and singing a little bit of Dancing Queen and that was it. And then he just gets to act. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, the only other song that really stood out, really stood out for me, again, because of the Baranski factor, was Angel Eyes. And that has to be CGI-assisted jump over the table where her everything just looked slightly unreal and heavenly for about three seconds of my life. Do you think maybe she's just heavenly? I think maybe But it didn't look... The whole movement looked too graceful to be real. It was amazing. <laughs> I, I, actually, I was just looking at Julie Walters sent, uh, in that whole thing because she was doing some really good, Comedy, I'm not yeah. as good as these people work, which uh, and just embracing it, which I really enjoyed. She, she wasn't, she, she really bugged me in the first one. I absolutely hated her character in the first one. Um, I, I liked doing this. She was fine in this. It didn't. She was she softer and yeah, she, she wasn't. She, she wasn't as cartoony. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, didn't piss me off. It, 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 it worked because they didn't use him that much. Yeah. Uh, their strength. It, it's nice to watch a film and sit and think the people that made this have watched the other one and they know what yeah. didn't work and they have yeah. lent to what did. Yeah. I think it's nice. Sorry, before we go off songs, another one that I really enjoyed actually was um, the Andante Andante one she did in the cafe when she was doing like a singing audition. Oh, that was good. That was really nice and it was really like low key. Mm. Yeah, because I didn't like the Kiss the Teach one at the beginning. Like, it sent some sort of weird, cringy shivers down my spine. And I was really worried for the rest of the film. Yeah. yeah I, I, I didn't like the fact that they, that they had props. Well, they, were, they, they were running away and kept singing at microphones. I'm thinking, oh no, this this. Yeah, this, it felt I, like the first it, film. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, yeah. It, it felt it, a little bit like. It, it, but it started as a performance they were doing for the like graduating class, and then they just fucked off on bikes. And it's like, well, no. And then they got yeah. back later on. It, yeah. it pulled it out of, out out of the world, which I, I'm aware is nitpicking. Now I'm aware that that is nitpicking. Uh, but but then it, but then you got the the, the Waterloo and I was like oh no I'm fine yeah I did enjoy that when they jumped off the boat after when I kissed the teacher the boat was called the Chickatita yeah that was nice I did not like that, that. Uh, so uh, Ian what are you on it then I'm I'm, I'm going to guess that you're definitely not shit it's it's coming up later in the show definitely not shit Becky where are you on it uh, definitely not shit Brad where are you on it. You know, hold on, just just before that, there's a couple of things. A couple of things I want to mention uh, as rebuttals to some things that other people have said. Uh, I cried in Merrill's scene in the church. It was lovely. It was lovely. Right. I just feel like, even if you don't, I feel like someone has to stand up for it because to me that was like they were going to have Meryl in this film and the restraint in just using her very sparsely at the end had maximum impact. 
Was she doing? Was she doing the post? Like, what was the the thing? No, no. There? She, she, from what I know, she, and from people who worked on it, she didn't doesn't like has never done a sequel anyway before. A bit like Denzel and the Equalizer. Uh, didn't really want to do a full singing dancing thing again, but was happy to be used. You know, it, however they wanted her to be used, and it was. I mean, you could feel as another. I think one of the other big parts of the film, you can feel Richard Curtis's hand in this story. Yeah, yeah, you're very much it feels like a much, much, much better film. Um, but it was his suggestion as well to use. He said, if you withhold using that character till the very end, it will have maximum emotional impact, and that's what can they I, did. Can I just clarify? I, I, I touched on it earlier, but I didn't actually sort of follow up on it. I didn't actually hate the whole number. It was the beginning of when it was when her reflection was floating in the font. Oh, that was yeah. the bit that I was like, "Oh shit, this could be really horrible." When she was actually just there, I, it was fine. I didn't mind that. That really? was fine. And her and Amanda Seyfried were having a little moment. That was that was fine. It was it, the floating on the water bit that I didn't like. Did anyone see the post-credit scene? Because I didn't realise there was one. I didn't no. Start. Apparently, it was there. And apparently, it was very very funny. So it's just, I don't, I don't know I need another excuse to go see it again, you know. <laughs> uh, okay, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think if it wasn't for The Greatest Showman coming out six years ago, this would rank a lot higher in my films I've loved this year. But it's, you know, but it's obviously not because there was a better musical six months ago. But it's definitely not shit. I mean, it's really fucking good. Yeah, uh, I'm, 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 I'm definitely not shit on it. It's, yeah. it's, uh, the other thing is uh, that I'll say the last thing before we, we move on and I give the audience what is it. Is it's fair to say that I would say actually not. I would say Brad is in a way the target audience for this because you're, you're a big musicals fan. I would say that that myself, Becky, and Ian, we're not really the target audience for this, are we? Um, no. Um, and but what I would say there is it, it, the I was uh, we went on, we went on a Monday night. And it was a packed, it was a Monday and it was red hot and it was packed um, and everybody seemed to have a great time mm. in, in the cinema. And it's one of those where you can go, do you know what? I had a good time with it. These people had a fucking great time with it and they came to have a good time with it. I came to watch it to see if I could have a good time with it. Mm. And so it is one of those things where you've got to, you've, we just say it quite a lot in the podcast, you've got to remember that cinema isn't just for film fans it's for everyone entertainment basis mm-hmm. and i I'm, I'm i'm quite glad that i enjoyed it and i'm quite glad that i took that we took the chance to go and see it um our poll uh, definitely not shit 43 percent uh touching cloth seven percent shit 21 percent and geostorm 29 percent yeah, but i bet people voted for that who haven't seen it it's a oh, film yeah. that provokes very strong reactions from people that haven't seen it it's a shame that it's probably going to make less money than well, it will make less money than the first one because it's a better film yeah it is yeah it's a great it is, um, question. it's still amazing that Mamma Mia is the first is the film to knock Titanic off the highest grossing UK box office film yeah <laughs> it's but the thing is at the end of the day again it, it's not made for cynical film fans the first one touch the core of people I'm, I'm quite happy with people loving it that's fine I didn't um, but it got a lot better after that shaky first three quarters of an hour. It did get a lot more enjoyable, didn't it? Yes. Yes. The honey honey <laughs> sequence at the start of Mamma Mia is not great. It's fucking awful. 
It's all fucking awful. I actually can't think of anything I liked from that film. No. Uh, right. I enjoyed much of it. You don't like anything that makes you feel like a giddy pretty girl. Who, me? Yeah. The Pierce Brosnan singing SOS doesn't make me feel like a giddy girl. It feels like a man who wants to masturbate, Mark Brad. Just just throwing it out there. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you definitely are, you know, you're, you're like me in that respect. You kind I'm of like can, you. Yeah, you're like me. You are good, as I am, approaching each film with the mindset of who this film is intended for. Yeah. And enjoy it on that level. But so, yeah, but I, I enjoy, I enjoy Mamma Mia because it's naff and that like, I mean, fuck man, any exterior like that is, ob- it like doesn't have wide shots is so obviously a set in that fucking film that they it just, it, they know it, what that thing is throughout. They filmed it all in Croatia, sorry, they filmed every, they, they filmed the whole thing there, which, same with the first one, they filmed it all in actually Greece, which no, makes... No, the first one, the first one, like, seriously, <laughs> seriously, like, all of that is, like, like, fucking location shooting. It is, and that's yeah. what... Jesus, really? She was at the time, because it looked like green screen. Um, How wait. does that happen? <laughs> Ian... What have you watched this week? Like that's fucking blowing my mind because like Donna was watching a bit of it with me and she was like, "This looks fucking awful." Like it just it looks shot on a stage. I was like, "Yeah, doesn't it?" Wow. Yeah, I'll be back in one minute to get at my girlfriend in the front door. Uh, we'll be back. They would carry on waffling. I'll be back because that that's what I do. I waffle. Um... You know the most important thing in this job is knowing you can trust the guy next to you. does it alone. One of my men is missing. I think he's in a prison called Hades. What is this place? Land of the dead. Everyone in this zoo has information that's worth millions of dollars. Spies, criminals, businessmen. We're all animals here. That's why they call it the zoo. And I'm the zookeeper. Welcome to Hades. Begin battle. What makes you think he's there? His cousin Yushang was put on some kind of hit list. Then we gotta go in. Get him out. I have this acquaintance friend of mine. Big guy. I want in. And we made a plan. Sounds for me. Sure hope you know what you're doing. I like working from the inside out. No layout. No routine. And you have help. You're the only one that can help get him out. This is bigger than any one of us. Showtime. guys are in Hades. Let's finish your right. Three, two, one. Time is up. Hey, Breslin. 
Good to be back? No, it's bad to be back. Ian, what have you been watching, bud? Okay, so I've got a few. Uh, Sue, uh, Happy Death Day. Oh, fuck. I kind of want to get Brad's thoughts on that. Bollocks. I'll tell you what he hasn't seen. Escape Plan 2. Who's yep. seen Escape Plan 2? Not many people. Why? Because it's Escape Plan 2. <laughs> so, Escape Plan 2, Hades. Uh, they've shot two sequels back-to-back. Um, because God knows you wouldn't want a third one after watching this unless it had already been shot. Um, and it's, you know, as I said in my review, which is on vodzilla.co, and God bless Ivan for publishing it, um, you could pair this with a nice hoppy IPA. <laughs> um, and Dave Batista really likes Apple products. For no reason whatsoever, that man, for a good chunk of the runtime, has AirPods in his ear. And it's almost like they called him to set and he just said, I don't want to take these out. Um, yeah. So, Escape Plan 2. Sylvester Stallone's back. So's 50 Cent. Amy Ryan's not. She's been recast by Jamie King, who is not 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 as not as old as Amy Ryan, and it, it's a bit weird. So uh, she's been just like recast. It's the same character. It's not like a different character. Same character. Oh, yeah. Um. So basically, oh, fuck me. What is the story of Escape Plan Two? Christ. Um, right, okay. So, you're right, Brad. I'm talking about Escape Plan 2. Oh, okay. Isn't that joy? Sorry? Nothing, carry on. What did she say? Nothing, carry on. Alright. So, story Sylvester Stallone is Ray Breslin, who is a security expert, and People who work under him are being taken to this prison uh, called Hades. And it basically is like two sets. You've got a cell and you've got like a fight arena bit where people in the jail have fights. And if they win, they get two hours of solitary time, which is in this virtual reality thing where they can paint and write. Um, and Sylvester Sloan is trying to find out what's going on. Uh, he, a, a, One of his underlings who's been taken is a Chinese dude whose adopted brother is some sort of tech genius who's also in the jail... And the jail warden basically says, right, Sylvester Sloan's underling, you need to get a patent ID out of him or something. I wrote a review for this film and I genuinely can't, like three days ago, and I can't remember what happened. So, (laughs) spoiler alert for Escape Plan 2. Sylvester Stallone gets put into the jail with about 25 minutes to go. The rest of it, 
is really low budget 90s era production design in a high tech prison. People having fights. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, Stallone. That, what, that, right. Fine with that. The, 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 his mate who gets sent to the jail keeps hearing Sylvester Stallone in his head talking to him. You'd love that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah, <laughs> you would. But it's like Stallone's character doesn't know where he is and he doesn't know what the situation is. So why is he telling him what the situation is and what he needs to do? It's very, very weird. 50 Cent and Sylvester Stallone have this fucking bizarre passive-aggressive relationship through the whole thing where they don't seem to like each other. Um, and then at the end, it ends with the most generic end of second part cliffhanger you could ever, ever expect to see. Any, anyone. It's the end of the second part of a trilogy. What's going to happen? What's the ending? Um... Okay, if I was to say... The last conversation is between Sylvester Stallone and one of the bad guys. Uh, I'm not sure on this. Is it that they're not actually out of the prison or something like that? Or is it that it's just begun? <laughs> oh, we're taking the fight to you. Oh, is that nice? So, <laughs> it's going to be one of Mark's films of the year. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching this week. <laughs> For everybody else, you can team it up with a nice hoppy IPA. There's some decent, they're, they're, you know, there's some fun, stupid fucking action in it, and not a lot else. Is this another one of those movies where, where by at the end of it, I say, "Yep, they literally, they literally went, who are we making this for?" And there was a picture of me on the desk, and they've gone, "It's this idiot." Yeah. Make another movie for this fucking idiot for some reason. That's basically it. And if anyone can tell me why Dave Bautista and fucking Fallout Boys Pete Wentz is in this, just to, <laughs> please let me know. I, I will try and find that out for you. <laughs> yeah, Escape Plan Two. Right, Happy Death Day. Brad, have you seen Happy Death Day? I have. What did you think of Happy Death Day? I had good fun with it. It's not the kind of shit I avoid like the plague, but I heard a few people say it was actually quite fun and inventive, so I watched it. And, you know, it, I find those films a bit tedious to watch in general, for the most part. Like, I mean, I did that kind of gimmick, the repeat, with the exception of Groundhog Day. But the girl, what the girl, I mean, I'd only really seen her before in the opening of La La Land, but she was really charismatic, and she and the film knew it was a bit stupid, and I, so I had good fun with it. Yeah, uh, Happy Death Day is better than Groundhog Day. Um, what? <laughs> <laughs> Are you joking? No, I don't like Groundhog Day very much. I find Andy McDowell intensely annoying, so that, that, that probably puts pay to it. Um, it but... Sorry, Matt was asking if you just slagged off on your McDowell. Yeah, I did, yeah. Um, anyway. Um, yeah, so I just, I literally, Brad, I waited for you to come back because I wanted to say that and get your reaction. So I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased. Um, okay. oh. 
like happy death day it's really really fun i really that that main girl jessica something or something yeah yeah is great like the way her character shifts but from just being insufferable in that first 15 20 minutes or so at the start she's such a dick yeah and then just like the way she learns hang on i'm a fucking dick through it but also retains the i'm also hot and i'm gonna have fun fucking walking around naked like i i i like i i I liked that shift um i liked what it did towards the end um you know i i I actually don't want to spoiler it because i I thought it was fun um but everyone has seen it listen my god it's quite a new film uh, yeah, it's just because it's not a main review, so you know. Um, but yeah, I, I liked what it did. It, it did towards the end there. Uh, I thought the relationship between her and the, the guy was a, a lot of fun. Um, the death sequences were all right. You know, there were there, there were slasher sequences basically, um, and Letterboxd seems to suggest there's a Happy Death Day two coming. Uh-huh. But that might just be letterboxed. Um, but I, I, I'd be up for that. I, I, I thought it was a good time. And um, it was Christopher Landon, who I think did Paranormal Activity 2, didn't he? Yeah, Ian, there is a Dabby Death Dead 2. It's in post. Oh, it's in post? It's in post. Is it her again? Indeed her. It is her? Yep. Has he directed it again? He has directed and written it again, yes. Fucking hell. Fuck, I'm there day one. Yeah, out next year. Brilliant. Oh, that's great. Yeah, Happy Death Day 2. It's better than... Gra- Happy Death Day. It's better than Groundhog Day. And I don't want anyone to say anything else because it's true. Uh, moving on. <laughs> um, where else? Polytechnic. Oh, so, yes. Uh, Denny Villeneuve's first film? Is it his first? I think it is, yeah. I think it is. I was hoping Brad was going to pipe in there. No, I I didn't even even heard of it until I saw you talk about it on Twitter, so I don't know. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, so this is a a drama uh, uh, about uh, a massacre in a polytechnic in Montreal in 1989, uh, where basically it's... A rough, actually. Ian, we're both wrong. It's his third film. Third film, all right, fuck it then. But still, it's this really depressingly relevant today story of a guy who thinks the entire world's ills are caused by women and the only reason why he's unhappy is because of feminists. So what's he going to do? He's going to shoot up a load of innocent women who have done nothing fucking wrong and then kill himself because he's a fucking coward. So it's the Elliot Rogers story then. Is I don't know what that means. He's that guy that drove around and what's his face for um, years ago yeah. shooting people. All the women would sleep with him, and now all those incel types worship him as a god. Yeah, yeah, okay, that guy. Yeah, um, yes. Um, so spends about two minutes on him and how much of a fucking prick he is and his fucking ideology, and then. Um, celebrates both women who live and die 
in this massacre um, and a guy who wants to help. It's really, really fucking affecting. Uh, the staging of the massacre is just fucking horrible. Um, it's anyone who just loves guns should watch this fucking film and just go, this is how fucking scary a gun is. Um, and it just, it, yeah, it, it, it was, it was quite something. Um, it, the last five minutes or so is, is, is trying to go for hopeful. And I think that's probably right, but there was something about it that didn't quite work for me. Um, but yeah, it's just it. It was really upsetting, and it's like seventy-five minutes long. Um, it, it just it gets in, it gets out, and it was yeah, very, very, very powerful stuff. And it's actually making me a little bit teary just kind of thinking about it. So yeah, Polytechnic. And apart from Mission Impossible films, but we'll talk about those next week. That's all I've got. Cool. Uh, what have you been watching, Brad? I'll be honest, I haven't been watching many films. I've been watching a lot of TV, but in the past couple of weeks, because I bear in mind I don't come on this show ever, uh, I watched Field of Dreams for the first time. Wow, really? Yeah, which everyone knows about, and I just loved. I was like, how have I ever seen this before? It's the best Frank Capra film Frank Capra never made. Field of Dreams is the If You Build It, They Will Come film, isn't it? Yeah, which they actually say. It's actually slightly different, isn't it? It's one of those misquoted yeah. ones. It's not if you one those misquoted ones. I haven't seen it in a long time. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't realise how little baseball actually had to do with it. How little baseball actually had to do with it. It's just like the instigating factor. Uh, there was that. And I watched Yellow Submarine. Nice. The re-release, because I think I saw it as a kid, but I don't remember. Uh, I took my dad to see it, and that was just mind-blowing. Like, I think, I think, like, I watch it now, I thought, oh, this was made, like, yesterday, and the Blue Meanies are the Tories, and, you know, the Beatles are the Remainers, and the, oh, it, it's, I feel like I could probably watch it in any era, and it would be culturally appropriate. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can see that, actually, yeah. I think I need to rewatch that, actually, because it's been a long, long time since I've seen it. Uh, and then I saw Leave No Trace. Oh, how is that? Uh, it's good. It's not... I mean, if you're going to talk about her films, it's not as good as um, Winter's Bone. Again, it's too long. It's two hours. It should be 80 minutes. The first half is really strong, and it's frustrating... Because I won't you know, spoiler territory. It's frustrating for the same reason it's good because the characters in it act like real people in those situations would, which makes it frustrating to watch. Whereas in, you know, in other films, it would be all like, oh, you know, we'll change the way we are to have a better narrative. Um, but it felt more like it didn't feel like a film made by someone who had made a very acclaimed film before. It feels more like the film you make before Winter's Bone, not the film you make afterwards. Yeah. Ben Foster was great. The other girl was good, but I think people are going a little bit nuts being like, oh, she's another Jennifer Lawrence. She's not. She's just a young girl in a Deborah Granite film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was obviously, they were obviously going to try and 
shoehorn that comparison. Yeah, she's very good, but you know, you came out. I remember coming out with the phone thinking, "Who is this girl? She's amazing. She should be in everything." Which is interesting is Jennifer Lawrence hasn't actually done anything like that ever again in terms of the star's performance. No. Uh, and then the other one I watched was Pin Cushion. Oh shit! Okay, yeah, Kermode was big on this, wasn't he? But it's just not really playing anywhere. No, I think it will come around. They seem to be doing these regional screenings going around the country with it. Okay. Yeah, um, it, it's on in York at the moment. Oh, really? Okay. It's yeah. worth watching. I went to see it because I like to see everything, but also there's been so much hype. And without wanting to sound horribly reductive, I wanted to find out if the hype was, it was actually a good film or just because it was a film by a prominent female filmmaker. Sure. Um, you know, Adult Life Skills, which was really good, but wasn't as great as everyone wanted you to believe mm. so I went to I went to watch it and it's not what I thought I thought it was going to be this twee over colourful candy coated annoyingly quirky film but the quirk while there is clearly supposed to be misleading I don't really want to give anything away because it's actually a surprising amount that you could spoil um, there's a lot more going on in it than I thought character work is fantastic it makes up for the weird quirky bits which i see what she's trying to do with 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 those moments but they don't quite work and i hate dream sequences in 90 percent of things anyway and this doesn't really buck the trend but joanna scanlon like if this was a bigger film she should she'd be even a little not a lot bigger but a little bit bigger i'm talking like tyrannosaur bigger she would be getting the same amount of awards for this as olivia coleman did for that Wow, like, it's one of the best British. I mean, it's Joanna Scanlon. She's always amazing. But it's one of the best British female performances I've seen in a long time. I saw it with my friend who is nineteen, and he was a bit like I, he thought Lily Newmark was amazing and completely bought her as a sixteen-year-old girl. He's never been aware of her before. It sounds really. It's going to sound worse than it is, but I do think she's been quite a, a friend of a friend. So that kind of has something to do with it. So I'm aware of what she does. But you know, she's quite a successful model who sometimes has posed in more adult situations so i think me trying to picture her you know, i couldn't quite believe her as a 16 year old girl knowing that she's like 25 year old adult yeah but she played it really really well i can't want to say anything because i think there's a stuff in it that really bugs me about it but the stuff that you want to recommend from it is so powerful and so affecting that i think it's worth seeing but going in as cold as possible but knowing that you might be mildly irritated by some of the twee aspects. Yeah, yeah, twee, twee doesn't go down too well. I'm sensor of that, but I'm trying to avoid talking about what makes the film so good. And also, it's 82 minutes long, which is fucking perfect. <laughs> More movies should be between 80 and 90 minutes long. Yeah. Uh, so is that everything for yourself? We've, we've got a couple on the books. I've been watching a lot of Doctor Who. You've been watching a lot of Doctor Who in the preparation for the new Doctor Who, haven't you? Um, Film-wise, I'll let you go with this one. Uh, okay, so first rewatch on on Ragnarok because we've been waiting with bated breath for it to come onto something that's either rentable or uh, just streamable. Um, you know, because if we're gonna get 4K TV, like Ian wants us to so badly, we might as well wait until then to get it. It's not on 4K, is it? Oh, it's not on 4K on Apple, so you may as well just buy the 4K TV now, so all the stuff that you've already got on 4K will be 4K. What's the point of getting a 4K TV? I don't see the point. I'm with you on this, Brad. 
<laughs> because it looks better, Brad. Yeah, but you know, 1080 looks great. You know, I don't think it's going to rock my world. You haven't much. watched enough 4K, Brad. <laughs> no, I'm happy. I don't need to. I'm actually going back and watching a lot more stuff on DVD. Fuck you. I'll get on Blu-ray. Even. Fuck you. I'd rather spend my money on... You know, Fuck you. Sorry, Becky, I interrupted. Yeah, so anyhow, Ragnarok <laughs> landed on Sky Movies, so we were all over that shit like a cheap suit straight away. Yep. And, um, yeah, it's just really fucking good, isn't it? It looks awesome. The story's awesome. Jeff Goldblum's in it, which is, you know, awesome. It's just fucking awesome. You, 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 awesome is it. the word yeah. you would describe it. Yeah. It's easily my... Yeah, you had weird sound, I love it. I, Even though it's got Kate Blanchett in it, I don't like her. I, 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 I've, got, I've, gone, I've gone a full way with Kate Blanchett. Yeah, from, from she's her really, won me over. From her really irritating me to, to like, recently. Because the thing about Kate Blanchett is, I, early Kate Blanchett, she was fantastic. Yeah, she was. And then she had that period where it was a wig and a voice. Yeah. And then now it's... She seems to be trying to actually act again. Yeah, uh, she's, she's, she's a lot of fun in this. I like yeah, I is. like how much fun Kate Blanchett is having in, in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Um, well, that, and then you've got Ocean's Eight, and she's clearly having a fucking whale. Yeah, she's having a great time. Well. Ocean's and she looks stylish as fucking Ocean's she Eight. She does, yeah. Ragnarok. Um, Ragnarok. Um, yeah, it's it's just brilliant. Hemsworth, obviously, as is widely accepted, is the best Grace. So Second best Grace. Best Grace. Second best. Um, and he just he's just so good in it. And the what's the character's name? The rock guy. Hog. He's fucking mint. Love him. Just love his voice. Yeah, you're still a big fan of that, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, Not as big of a ta- fan of uh, Tessa Thompson in it. Um, Ruffles, obviously, is great. Hiddleston, even, is when he's low-key, he's less annoying. And when he turns back up at the end to help, it's like, oh, he's been a good guy for a minute. I, 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 I don't just, get the low-key I don't get the low-key thing. I don't get it. I don't get it when he's like, when he just should wear the helmet all the time because with his ratty, greasy, like, emo hair... He just does not look good. It's not a good look for Hiddleston. No, nah, I, I don't. I don't. I don't get the. I like Hiddleston. I don't get the Loki thing. You don't really like Hiddleston. I do. Mm. I think he's another really red. Theoretically, you do. But then, whenever he's in anything, you don't like him in it. You don't really like. It. You just you want to like. Him. He was very good in Deep Blue Sea. Not that Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> I was going to say he's not in that. Not that Deep Blue Sea. Not he not, played not the shark. shark. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he voiced the shark. He didn't, he didn't get me alive. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. I, 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 I did, I, I did enjoy the rewatching of Ragnarok. I do have issues with it. It's too long. Oh, keep your fucking issues to yourself, you miserable bastard. Uh, and, and, and I don't like. You're like drunk acting. We've heard it all. But it's a fucking great <laughs> film to stop being such a bitch. Fuck you. You are. It is too long. Anything on Asgard makes it too long. If it was just a little film about him and Hulk hanging out on that jet trash planet, it would have been just great. It, it would have been better if this wasn't Ragnarok, if it was Planet Hulk and Thor was in it. I know. Anyway, uh, our other one that we watched, we rewatched Stranger Than Fiction, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Um, don't know why. We couldn't find anything. We did one of those times where, we, where you're scrolling through Netflix going... Don't want to watch here. There's nothing on here. There's to watch, nothing on here. Despite the fact there's nothing on here apart from these few thousand movies yeah. that are on here. And I just went, do you want to watch Strange the Fiction? Uh, so, wait, 
yeah, yeah, fine. It's as good as anything uh, to watch. I, I haven't seen this since, literally okay. since DVD, yeah. uh, probably since about two or three days after it came out on DVD was the last time I watched it. It's directed by you, but with an extra rut. It is me. directed by me, but with an extra rut. Do you remember when you got rut. told off by people on IMDb? Yes, I did get told off by people on IMDb. I also had, I also once had a girl <laughs> follow me on um, on Facebook, friend requesting me on Facebook, and I thought, I thought, fair enough, I'll, I'll accept for some reason. Probably because she was quite pretty. Yeah. Um, and then she direct messaged oh, me on. I'm not sure. Sorry, Alexa. sorry, Alexa, we weren't talking to you, sweetheart. Um, and then she messaged me and said, hang on a minute, are you Mark Foster, the director? I was like, no, I'm not Mark Foster, the director. I'm Mark Foster, the person that isn't Mark Foster, because I have a different name. And she, the response to that was... Well, fuck you. How dare you accept my friend request? Wow. What you thought you were. And that was what she actually said. So now I've still got her as a friend, and every few weeks uh, I send her a picture of Mark Foster. <laughs> yeah, but on IMDb, though, like, it was when they used to have the message boards, wasn't it? Yeah. Message. Like, I went on like, randomly to like prove to somebody that you had an IMDb page. And the, the, the message boards had loads on. Lot I was like, oh, that's fucking weird. Lot of, lot of it was just like, this guy's a fucking fraud. He didn't direct blah, blah, blah. He's just pretending. What a fucking dickhead. Can I point out that I didn't add any of like, Matt Foster's movies? No, of course you're not. Because you're not Matt Foster. You didn't even do it. You didn't even make it. No, I didn't even make it. Somebody else made it what on my behalf. Uh, you made the best Bond film. I did, yeah, I mean, Jesus I fuck, the best oh, Bond yeah. film. Yeah, you know why it's the best Bond film? Because it's only an hour and 47 minutes long. <laughs> so, I, I, but are you saying that, that, that in the world there is me and you who like Quantum of Solace? Quantum of Solace is a great Bond film. No, it's. I like Quantum of Solace. I like Quantum of Solace. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's true. Um, so, anyway, Strange of Fiction. I, I really like Will Ferrell. As a comedic actor, but I really like him as a as a more dramatic actor. Will Ferrell is a comedic actor. He's the the performances have aged badly. I disagree. You are incorrect. I enjoyed House like a lot. The, you know that he made Step Brothers, right? I love fuck you. I love Step Brothers. And that one where he gets cornrows in prison. What's that one? Get hard. Yeah. Get hard's fun. Uh, but anyway, yeah, um, Strange of Fiction, it, it, it's, a, it's a good rewatch. Yeah. I had a really good time. It, it, it was... It was quite a, deep. It well, is it? quite deep, but it was also... You know, they have those occasional movies where you're watching them, and as you watch them, you go, this feels a little bit like a hug of a movie. Yeah. It kind of felt like that, like a little bit of a warm hug of a movie. And if you're going to have a disembodied voice in your head, you could do worse than Emma Thompson. Yeah, and uh, it, it's mid is Maggie Gyllenhaal. Which is a wonderful thing. She's delightfully. She's delightfully charming. Apart from that thing. tattoo that kept going missing. Yeah, she's got a tattoo on her neck that goes missing a lot. Yeah. But, it's Maggie Gyllenhaal. What's it's forgivable? It's forgivable. Yeah. Because Maggie Gyllenhaal hates bras. She does hate bras. Yeah. yeah. She just fucking, I'm not wearing a bra. Fuck you. Let those puppies free. Let those puppies free. Yeah. Free the nipple. Free the nip. <laughs> it's all about that. It's all about, about bounce. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's got much bounce left now. Uh, I, I, I will stand up for the bounce. <laughs> I'm telling you now, 
the Jill and all bounce. There's a good John all bounce when she's in uh, the Dark Knight. Is there? There's a side John all bounce in the Dark Knight, yeah. What? What's that ranking John all? What is it? Spider bounce? We're just talking about Maggie John Hall Titties now. Is this, your, fuck, is this your fucking yeah. mating call again, like on WhatsApp <laughs> last night? <laughs> like, seriously, listeners and Brad, those two fucked last night, and it was fucking weird watching it on WhatsApp. Like, just the. Them get, video or anything. Them getting to it. It was just really fucking weird. There was hashtags and everything. <laughs> it was actually wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah, we are a little bit weird. Not gonna lie on that one. I, I think yeah, Brad's been stunned into silence. Dick stand. Sorry? In with his dick stand after I said mic drop. That's where it started. I've been cooking dinner through like the last 45 minutes and now I'm just eating it so it's perfect just keep waffling (laughs) (laughs) well um what are you eating Brad I made a pasta bacon garlic chili thing very nice um right so questions um we were asked to give our top five um bottom five of the years weren't we um Brad, what are yours? Because you said you, you keep yours updated quite regularly, don't you? That's really organised. That must make the end of the year list so much easier. It does. It's mainly because whenever the London Film Festival hits, I watch like 50 films in three weeks and it's impossible otherwise. Yeah. Um, so are we, doing, are, we doing, are we doing all of our lists just like in one hit? So yeah. Do, yeah, yeah, why not? So we do the best or the worst first? Do worst first. Okay, so five worst films. In number five is Journeyman. Paddy Considine's Journeyman. Yeah, I, um, I don't think any of us have seen that yet. No. no. Everyone, everyone started being like, oh, poor Paddy Considine, when he complained earlier this year that he was going to quit filmmaking because people didn't like his film. I bet they haven't seen it. If they had, probably still probably a good thing. Um, I won't get into it until you've seen it, but it, I, I'm surprised it got a bit of a free pass, especially in the current sort of me times up me too climate. I think it's very pro bros and mates and men and saying that the women are responsible for all his mental problems. Mm. Mm. Um, a wrinkle in time in four. <laughs> yeah, that, that's out to rent on iTunes next week. I'm, I'm gonna do it. Cause I'm curious. I probably went in thinking this is going to be one of those films like Speed Racer that everyone shits on, but I'm actually really going to like because it's just going to be earnest and family friendly. Mm. Um, but but I love Selma. I really love Middle of Nowhere. I think Ava DuVernay is a good director. I don't think she's a good spectacle filmmaker. It's really upset me that she's off signed up for a big DC superhero thing. Um, yeah. It's interesting though. Notice how everyone mm. was like curiously quiet on social media about how bad this film was and how it bombed at the box office. Yeah. You, know, the political... you can't publicly criticise anything like no, that. It goes both ways, you know, with these films. Like, if you want to have you could equal opportunity of making a shit film as well, you know? I, I, yeah. I've, I've got to say, like, Kermode's review of that, of that at the time, and just everybody's, was so, I really want her to do well. And <laughs> I really like the ambition it was shit. Yeah, it, it, it just, it is one of those maybe, but you can't these days. And that's one of the things that, 
again, is going to mean that the right is going to fucking win because the left can't admit when it does do stuff wrong and when its people maybe aren't that great. Anyway, sorry. In third place is uh, the Cloverfield Paradox. Oh, fuck me, I forgot about that. Oh, no. Which barely qualifies as a film. Yeah. Um, just piece of shit. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Second place is um, Mute. Oh. Which I'm normally all up for an ambitious failure, but this guy just shit the bed twice in a row. And I think he's just got another big budget comic book thing to make. It's a lower, lower mid budget. You no, know, it's too big for him. He's proven that he can't. I mean, he made Source Code, which was fine, and then two complete sh- pieces of shit. One, Warcraft's yeah, good. Like, Warcraft's good. It's not, though. Warcraft's yeah. good. I mean, the, I, don't, I, I think he's got a bit of Richard Kelly syndrome about him, personally. Not one great, fluky film in him. You know, loads of shit. Anyway, so my number one. Maybe shouldn't be my number one worst film of the year. So if it wasn't, I should, I should give the caveat that if it wasn't there, my sixth worst favourite film of the year would be Tully, which would put Mute in number one. But the worst film so far this year, in a completely biased opinion, is Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Right, and, and, and straight up, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go get a drink, Brad. Say your piece, it's cool. Um, I'm not going to say nothing about something isn't on the screen it's okay all right it's 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 a logical i mean this is a film where they've spent billions of dollars building a theme park on an island with an active volcano which no one seems to think is strange um it's it's just bad i I, apart from the i will say that the, the the mid section um from the moment Chris Pratt gets woken up by the triceratops and the kid's face through to the bit with the ball and the, the gyrosphere in the water is pretty pretty good fun. You know, actually up until the dying brachiosaur on the on the pier. It's all pretty great. Um, without telling you what they added in reshoots and what they cut, uh, which shows you how messy this film was in the first place. Rafe Spool is awful. He plays an awful villain. Uh, the CGI dinosaurs look obviously worse than the two animatronic dinosaurs. Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt still have no chemistry. There's no reason for either of them really to be in this film. The film, we joked, I joked, a few of us joked during production that because we couldn't come up with a title, no one come up with a title for it. They should have called it Jurassic Interim because that's what it is. It's an interim film that gets them to yeah. Jurassic, the yeah, third. Um, the Indoraptor is like, oh, yeah, we've run out of ideas, so let's just mix this dinosaur with another dinosaur again to create another less scary dinosaur than the one in the last one. Um, everyone in it is just, it's just, a, it's just a mess. Don't get me started on Jeff Goldblum. It's just bad. It's just, I think it's a bad film. It's a really bad film. I didn't mind the last one. I didn't love it, but I didn't mind it. This is just a really, really bad film. Anyway, my best Best films of the year. Uh, so again, the caveat again, a lot of films have come out this year I saw last year at the London Film Festival, so were on my list last year. So if they weren't, you know, think you would you would see things like you would never really hear and the breadwinner and lean on Pete probably on this list. 
um, but they were on last year's list. So my five starts with the same caveat with a film that hasn't actually come out yet that I went to a screening of called Disobedience, Sebastian Lelio's film, follow-up to A Fantastic Woman. Oh, yeah. Is this good, eh? Yeah, with Rachel Weisz and yeah. Rachel McCann and a career-best Alessandra Nivola. Oh, great. Um, so when that film finally comes out in November, it's like it's almost like they want people to pirate films. Um, then go see that. I think this, I, I've been hearing the eighth grade might be going to Netflix and everywhere outside America as well. So Jesus, it. really? Eighth grade's currently my number 12th film of the year. But uh, Who's distributing that in the US? Do you know? A24. And it's going to go to Netflix? Well, I was talking to a friend who works in acquisitions um, for a high-profile company, the kind of thing you think they would pick up, and he said there's a concern by a lot of distributors that people don't know who Bo Burnham is, and they're trying to sell on Bo Burnham because there's no star in the film. You know as well as I do that films about teenagers in America and films about urban audience people in America don't transfer over here unless they have huge stars in them that well. Uh, and Bo Burnham's audience here is on Netflix, you know? Yeah, okay. And it, it, it's 13-year-olds don't go to this. They're not going to see it anyway because it would be a 15. Um, so I, I've been hearing that's where it's going to go, and it wouldn't surprise me. Same with Sorry to Bother You as well. Yeah, Sorry to Bother You. There's too much. I could be edit on Netflix. Uh, so, so, yeah, anyway. So Disobedience, November it comes out, but it's fucking great. It's, it'll be I just I was wondering about Sorry to Bother You. I was looking on launching films the other day and thought that was conspicuous by its absence. It's got no distributor. Fucking, that's weird. Like, yeah, it's very weird. I was talking to my friend Acquisitions who said, unlike Eighth Grade, which is actually quite a commercial play, they just don't know how to sell it. Sorry to Bother You is very much an art film that the you know that they could happily sell as something more mainstream and fun, but it really isn't. So I think it's actually more challenging for people to pick up. Uh, to be fair, if it comes onto Netflix, it'll probably fucking play quicker than it would if I waited for a theatrical release in the UK anyway, you know what I mean? It's, um... Again, I can't say why, and I can't say who I've been talking to, but I yeah. have a feeling, you know, I could be wrong, that we're about uh, to, well, within the next month or so, especially by the time the, the big festivals start, then is Telluride Toronto, Yeah, you're going to hear that Netflix are making an aggressive push into theatrical. Okay. Uh, I'm not quite sure whether this means they bought their own theatres or whether they've worked out a better deal, but I was talking to some people involved with a high-profile Netflix film coming out in November who were very convinced that their film is doing theatrical first, even though it's a Netflix film. Is it uh, just... I, I don't want... Obviously, don't you wouldn't say anyway, but is that one a, an awards season botherer? Potentially. Okay. Well, no, I don't know if it's any good, but okay. if it's not there before, it's very much they are like we are doing theatres and we will be doing the press for theatrical. Yeah, okay, all right. Uh, and I've also been hearing similar rumblings about this is all basically leading up to the fact they've got the Irishman Irish coming. Man, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. There's no way that's going to go just on Netflix screens, so I no. think they're going to test the waters with a couple of higher profile films this year. Um, sorry, so in fourth place, The Square... Um, I, again, I wasn't too key. I, I wasn't as bothered as most people were by Force Majeure, but I really liked the square. I, I, apart from the last five minutes, but it was kind of brilliant. It's just phenomenal. Number three, Hereditary. 
Um, I don't like horror films that much. I can count the horror films I love on two hands. I thought Hereditary was absolutely fantastic, and I want to punch every single person in the cinema who was laughing while I was watching it. Um, but, you know, fuck them. Number two, Love, Simon. That's an interesting else. choice. Um, it, you know, it's a John Hughes film. It's the best John Hughes film. It isn't a John Hughes film, and it's actually a lot less, you know, with, by current you know, normative standards, isn't couldn't be deemed offensive like some of those films could be if you watch them now with the social justice warrior eye. Um, it's not it's not revolutionary in terms of how it's made, but in terms of the content, a mainstream studio release PG thirteen film about homosexuality that's treated like normal. It's just a romance. It's just a love story in which the characters happen to be gay. And it's very progressive for that. And I think it's the kind of film that I love. And I think, Ian, have you seen it? Uh, no, I actually haven't, no. You will go nuts for it. Oh, really? Oh, cool. Okay. I, I would have thought if you'd seen it, it would be in your top ten of the year so far. Um, okay, sweet. Yeah, I look forward to that. It's great, I'll say that. But it's the kind of film that 12, 13, 14-year-old kids are going to watch now, and it'll be one of the films that makes them probably, like John Hughes did for a lot of other people, makes them want to make those kind of films. I think it's going to have a real impact on a certain generation. And then number one is First Reformed. It's not bloody playing anywhere in Wales. Uh, Which I saw at Sundance London. I went to see again on Sunday and again got really angry with the hipsters behind me who were laughing at some very unfunny moments. Uh, Fucking awful cunts. Um, First Reformed, I mean, I I don't think Paul Trader is that great a director. It's easy the best film he's made since Mishima which is probably, I think, his only other truly great film. It's weird that the guy who can make so much crap for the past ten... Well, probably... <laughs> the guy who made Doggy Dog a, bit, a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the last not good film he made... The, sorry, the last good film he made, the, the last not not good film, was probably, what, Autofocus? And when was that, 2002? 2002, I think, yeah. Uh, you know, he can come out with this masterpiece. It's interesting listening to him talk, because obviously he was wrote that book on transcendental style but doesn't make films like that himself and actually thought, well, I'm going to try doing one because I've never done it, but I'm clearly an expert in this subject. And he knocked it out of the fucking park. I thought I was going to hate it. I thought it was going to be boring and sin, but gripped from moment one right through to the end. Masterpiece. I'll be amazed if anything knocks it off my number one of the year. The favourite is the best script I've ever read, so that has a potential. Yes. Your ghost lamp from Oaks. And obviously Robbie Ryan shot it as well, and he's told me some stories, and I think it's going to be amazing. Yes. Um, but First Reformed is just a, it's a four-by-three masterpiece. So uh, um, Mark, the favourite, directed but not written by Your Ghost Lamp for most. Does that make you any more interested? It makes me a lot more interested that that piece of shit hasn't fucking written it. It's very much not a Yorgos Yanthimos script. And watching the trailer, I was very pleased. Because obviously, it was written for him. It's not like he... It was still written for him. He just didn't write it. Um, back, you know, back when I read it, it was just called The Untitled Yorgos Lanthimos Project. And that was like four years ago. Um, it was nice to watch the trailer and see all those kind of bit lines and bits that I thought might be Lanthimos out in there still. So I feel really good about that film. And Olivia Coleman will get a Best Actress nomination. Nice. Uh, Bex, what are your top and bottom five? Bottom five, go first. Okay, so full disclosure, I completely forgot about the question until today, and I've had a really, really, really hectic day at work, so I've put it together in a very short period of time. 
I haven't it would appear watched that many 2018 movies as yet, so I'm gonna have a lot of catching up to do before the end of the year. Um so I'm just gonna rattle through them because it has been put together quite quickly, but worst five in no particular order. Cloverfield in there. Yeah. Because it's shit. Yeah. Uh Tau's in there. Yeah. Because it's Which one? Tau. Ow. Ow. The, the towel, the Gary Oldman is a smart house Netflix film. Oh uh, yeah, that's basically the death of Michael Monroe's career. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Um Sorry, Brad, but Hereditary's in there for me. Like I say, I haven't watched that many 2018 films, which means I haven't watched that many bad ones either, so I had to make up five. It probably won't be in my worst five of the year. It's not that bad of a movie. It's just one of the ones that I least enjoyed. All of them that I've seen. Well shot. Uh, Anon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and Annihilation. It's shot. Yeah, you read it like Annihilation, did you? No, and then similarly... Like I said, I've not watched that much. The top five is um, some of its best films, some of its ones that I've enjoyed the most. So you've got in there, Sicario is a very good film. Infinity War I enjoyed a lot, which I wasn't expecting to, so that was a nice surprise. Rampage is fun as fuck. Oh, fair play. Game Night, again, just really good fun. Um, and A Quiet Place is in there as well for me um, and obviously bonus mention for Mission Impossible because that's going to knock them all out <laughs> nice. uh, Ian what are yours? Uh, bottom five number five Fifty Shades Freed it just oh it's shit come on um, it, it, you know I, I very much doubt it will be bottom five by the end of the year but it's there right now uh, number four Tau it's just smart paint I just I can't get over Gary Oldman talking about smart paint um, number three ghost stories I, I hope it's the most self-satisfied horror film I watched this year that isn't actually fucking scary in the slightest um, I really liked sorry I really liked it well ghost stories yeah anyway sorry no no I wasn't into ghost stories uh, like I literally double billed that uh, with, uh, like with Paul, who listens, ghost stories and in a quiet place straight after, and yeah. like which probably didn't help. Um, number two, the week of the Adam Sandler Netflix film that is not a film; it's just a series of scenes. And number one, again, I feel really bad because as much as we talk about how much we like Netflix, three of my worst five of the year are Netflix originals. <laughs> Pardon me, The Outsider. Um, Jared Leto in Japan being shit and (laughs) two hours long you don't care about him he's a dickhead by the end you're supposed to love him it annoyed the shit out of me and yeah the outside is bollocks top five number six was A Quiet Place I'll say that and on rewatch I think that might go higher but we'll see number five Incredibles 2 that it, it's it's a really really fucking good sequel and fair play to Brad Bird I don't think he went back to the well it actually seemed like he wanted to do something number four Mamma Mia here we go again because it's undiluted joy number three you are never really here because it's the exact opposite of undiluted joy uh, I really need to get on that yeah I'm, I'm kind of stunned you haven't seen it yet I, 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 do you know why I haven't watched it yet 
Yeah. Because I'm because I'm 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 that kind of up for it that I'm a little bit intimidated about watching it in case it isn't as good as right, I. You'll love it. You'll love it. You'll love it. It'll uh-huh. be it'll be fine. Which one was that? You you and Abe really here? No, I mean like it would be top five. I hadn't seen it last year. I also say and that for me watching a quiet place again, it was in my top five, and then I watched it again, and it went down to like. It went, nine, oh really? Oh no. Which is, why I, I'm not saying it's because I haven't been on the show, so I couldn't have discussed it at the time. But you know how Mark was complaining about why make it five years more near, not ten. I mean, it wouldn't change anything. Yeah. Why make it that already in this world they decide to get pregnant when they already know what's going on in the world? Yeah, we, I think we, we, we I think we, we spoke about that when we when we reviewed it. And then once once I start pulling at that thread, the whole thing just really falls apart. Um, I'd say A to keep home uh, hope alive, and B, and I know it, it's kind of almost unfair to say, but if you've maybe got a kid and then lose a kid, maybe your brain's wired a little bit differently. Yeah, I don't know. Just pull out. That was, that was... Oh, okay. It's not necessarily a planned pregnancy. Yeah, there is yeah. that. Just don't don't even risk it. Well, just go, just become completely celibate. I'm, 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 I'm a brother on this. It's a, it's a, that, it's a, that, that bothered me. To it's be fair, if Emily Blunt said, just come on my tits, I'd be like, all right then. <laughs> oh, Ian. <laughs> Will you take that here, Ian? <laughs> uh, you know, I'd, uh, you know I'd, I'd, I'd do it for the planet. Um, <laughs> my number two is Ladybird, and my number one is uh, You Will Believe a Fish Man Can Fuck. The Shape of Water. <laughs> um, right, uh, mine. Um, I don't have a bottom five. Yeah, that's cheating. I don't care, I don't. Pick the five you like least. Uh, it, it, all right, I'll pick the five I like least. Um, Game Over, man. It's a Netflix film from this year. Uh, the Week Of. Uh, a non uh, Cloverfield. And... I don't know. Tau. There we go. So four Netflix originals and a Sky Cinema original. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all about the cinema, mate. I'm all about the Sky Cinema originals. Ideal Home was really good. Hang on. That was a Sky Cinema original. Yeah, over here. Yeah. It's not on my fucking Now TV. Fly Sick, wasn't it? It came out. It's not on my Now TV. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I watched it at screening because my friend produced it, but I couldn't No, 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 I think that's just VOD, mate. Maybe it's, well, either way, it came out July 6th on Sky. It was the, big, the poster in the, in the underground says, like, same as Anon, it was like, see it on Sky, video on, whatever, on Sky. Fucking, I'm getting my Apple TV on now because I really want to watch that. Sorry, go on, go on, go on. Uh, and my top five... Um... A futile and stupid gesture. Oh yeah, you did like that, eh? I really liked that. Yeah, I really liked that. Um, Shit, sorry. Doc McStuffins is on now. Sorry, two six. Yeah, Insidious: The Last Key. Yeah, good shout. I've made it in mind. I, I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, a Quiet Place. Um, Game Night. And Deadpool Two. Deadpool 2? Yeah. Yeah, you fucking love Deadpool. I do fucking love Deadpool, yeah. 
I'm, I'm, I'm all in on that shit, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, right, on to our, uh, our other question we've had this week. That's actually a question from last week. Um, so, our question from this week, uh, from at Rick, uh, Kid, at Rick J. Kid, uh, my mate and its sequel make use of the music of ABBA to sell their story across the university the same with the Beatles. Which band slash group slash artist would you make a musical using their music? And what would the story be? Um, I'll say Taking Back Sunday using the music of their second album, A Decade Under the Influence. No, that's the single. The album title, I can't remember. Fuck. The second album where Decade Under the Influence is taken from, and it will be a film set in the mid-noughties that only I will enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. What's yours, Bex? Because you point at yourself when I've got one. Go on. Well, I've been I've been rattling this cage for years and saying to you that they should do it. I would like to watch a new movie slash theatre production musical, whatever, based on the Battle of Hell album. They did try and make a Battle of Hell musical. Well, I want to try it again. I want to try again and do it better, and I will watch the shit out of it. Yeah, but there's already a huge musical on the West End at the moment, Battle of Hell. All right, well, then they just need to make it into a film. <laughs> <laughs> What's yours, Brad? Well, I, oh, God. I probably wouldn't, because with the exception of Mamma Mia 2, I don't think there's ever been a good jukebox musical. Um, but if I have to say something... Oh, fuck. While Brad's thinking about it, the Take It Back album, uh, Sunday album is where you want to be. I want that as a film. Um... um. I, I, I'm going to kind of cheat a little bit because it's kind of been done but not been done. Mm. Um, I would like it to be uh, featuring the music of Pearl Jam set in the early 90s Seattle coffee house scene directed by Cameron Crowe. Cameron so Crowe makes singles, yeah. Um, yeah. But, but just with well, the more back. Based around <laughs> the music. More based around just Pearl Jam rather than starring Pearl Jam Fair and having Pearl Jam songs. So yes, I am cheating ever so slightly but not quite. <laughs> what? So that, um, I was going to say a balanced bash now, but then I remember God Help the Girl came out. Yeah. Oh, God, I don't know. Patrick Wolf. Let's say some make a film about Patrick Wolf with Patrick Wolf songs and their weird kind of robots and uh, bisexual marriages and people turning into werewolves. We'll just go with that. Um, <laughs> you made me think. What did you just say, Mark? You just said something. What did you say before I... What was your one? What was your thing? Pearl Jam. Oh, yeah. Talking about... If if Rob Reiner is the king of directors who were brilliant, who don't know how to make films anymore... Yeah. Definitely second and third place runners-up are M. Night Shyamalan and Cameron Crowe. Yes, yeah. I I, I thoroughly agree with that. Cameron Crowe went... Cameron Crowe went, went really high, and he went, holy shit, this guy is knocking out of the park. And then literally... He he just he, he turned off the controls and went. I'm just gonna glide this fucker, <laughs> and it is plummeting to the ground he, right he, now. He, he peaked with Almost Famous, but fuck me, how do you know an Aloha? Not how do you know that was James L. Brooks, who's another one. Uh, but uh, what was the one before Aloha? Um, Actually, that was all right. We but bought a zoo. Fucking hell. We bought a zoo. Was I, I thought was okay, but Aloha. Yeah. But yeah, Aloha was was was, was not good. Yeah, I was wrong. It wasn't a Sky movie, but you can get it on Amazon. You can rent it on Amazon, Ideal Home. Ian? Yeah, no, I, 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 yeah. Um, 
I just want to add that I'd also quite like a film based on Brand New's second album, Deja Entendu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, I think that's 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 everything for uh, episode two hundred and sixty-four. Or uh, Jimmy Eat World's uh, either self-titled or Bleed American, depending on which side of nine eleven we're on. <laughs> that's a fair one. <laughs> Um, yes, so thank you much for listening, everybody. Um, I, I, I've just got cramp. <laughs> My leg has moved. Uh, yeah, uh, that was episode 264. Um, you just looked at me with this plea in your eyes. Yeah, I got really bad cramp. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, at Mr. Bonacoto, uh, at Ian Loring, at Duke. Uh, okay, no, and stop. Me. Is it Mr. Bonacoto? Are you just doing Moto Polakoku? Is it not Mr. Bonacoku? Yes, that's what I said. It's it's another Digimon Honsu, isn't it, for fun? You said Moto Polakoku. Fuck off. My leg really hurts. What's going on? I'm really confused. Mark's got cramp and he's getting your name wrong. (laughs) My name's Bradley. (laughs) So, yes, thank you very much, Brad, for joining us. (laughs) I am wicked cramp right now, so... um, so I'm going to call that the end of the show. Uh, follow us on Instagram and um, listen to our Bandcamp commentary of Mission Impossible 2. Yeah, because before we review the rest it's, of them. It's very funny, I think. Uh, uh, thank, thank you to the uh, the four people who have downloaded it so far. Um, and it, it's, it's very nice of you. You guys are the real heroes. You guys are the real heroes. The rest of you can fuck right off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I'd just like to say... Thanks at Rick J Kid for sending us a question in every fucking week. You are amazing. Yes, thank you. Oh, good work, We're Ricky. Do a band camp commentary of the remains of the day. That's what I want to know. We will do that next. No, we're doing Dark City next. We'll do Dark City next because you just hit me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually heard that as well, uh, Brad. We will do remains of the day. I promise. We will. I don't know why you're so focused on us doing a remains of the day. I will tell you a a very short story. (laughs) There's this film quiz in London that I got dragged along to. I normally do the bigger boat film quiz every time, but we went to a different one at the Clack. It was called a pub called the Clacken. And the last round is 20 questions based on, on a specific film. And that film each month is picked by the winners of the quiz the month before. Uh, so the first well, I did it two months in a row the first one was pitch perfect we fucked up with the questions we came second we didn't get to pick second time it was Groundhog Day we won and I wrote we picked Remains I picked Remains of the Day as the one they had to do and the guy was like you can any film you want but then he got it and said oh we're not we, I, don't, I don't think we can do Remains of the Day I mean blah 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 he said we're not going to do it and I was like well why not it's got eight, eight Oscar nominations it's a great British film we're in Britain it's on Netflix so everyone can watch it what's the excuse you got a month uh, and he went oh okay we'll do it we'll do it and then uh he tweeted someone else in our group like three days later saying that the they'd vetoed it because it wasn't um geek friendly enough oh so i have this real thing now about how everyone should just be talking about the remains of the day because it's a masterpiece and you can't call yourself film fans and run a film quiz if you only want to talk about geeky nerdy oh, funny. i'll tell you what I wish you gave me that context like fucking six months ago because I would have fucking done that while the Patreon was on. Yeah, but that's my that's my that's my bugbear about Remains of the Day. So I don't think enough people have seen it in the whole Merchant Ivory thing, even though it was so successful at the time. 
Do you, do you want to come on for it, Bryce? No, no, I want to hear what you guys think of it. I don't, I don't okay. want to go. All right, cool, cool, cool. Ian, have you seen Amaze the Dead? Nah, man, I'll fucking watch it. Have you seen Amaze the Dead, Because I've seen it, and I'm really enjoying it. You just find company Hawkins. I do, but I, but no, I actually, no, it's I, his I, best performance ever. It, it, it is. I, I, he's very good. I, I really like Mirror's Dead. I'm actually, I'm actually quite looking forward to giving it a rewatch, actually. Do you want to push Dark City back and do this instead? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, we'll do that next. I'm looking forward to that. The person has spoken. Yep. The one. Nice. Thanks, we will get one pound. <laughs> <laughs> Might give you more. No, Brad, I'm not going to ask you to do that, but thank you. Um, yeah. Um, yes, well, thank you much for, for joining us, Brad. And thank you much, Ian. Thank you much, Okay, guys, I'm going to go. Bye. Bye. Right. Um, thank you much for listening, guys. We hey, I, don't, I don't think Brad knew it was going to go on for that long. <laughs> Where we have um, Mission Impossible, don't we? Fucking Mission Impossible. Woo! And when are you guys seeing it? Excited. When are you seeing it? As soon as we've watched the other. We were going to go tomorrow, but we've still got two and a half left to go. Oh, mate, same. I'm going to go see it Thursday, and I've got two and a half to go. It's brutal. Yeah, I think we're going to go and see it Thursday, maybe Friday, because Thursday I'm at work till 8 and I'll learn. And then Saturday we're doing half a lot to miss, aren't we? Yes. Oh, yeah, I need to do that as well. It, it's um, it's like two and a half hours long as well, so you don't want to start that late. No. No, no. no. But It will be gone. two and a half hours of pure gold, though. Pure gold. <laughs> yeah, it will. Oh, it better be fucking great. It better like, be, be fucking great, otherwise you're, you're going you're gonna to beat me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go find Tom Cruise and beat him. I don't think it'd be that difficult. He's quite small. Yeah, I... I, yeah, I, 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 I I think he'd, he'd, he'd relish the opportunity. Do you think, do you think she could take this? I, I, I don't think he would. I think he's with the gentleman. <laughs> yeah, Guys, I'll, I'll be honest, I really need to take a shit. <laughs> right, I hope you guys. Good night, thanks to Brad. Bye. Where are those happy days? They seem so hard to find. I tried to reach for you, but you have closed your mind. I wish I understood It used to be so nice It used to be so good to our love it used to be so good